were bad, but now they're okay. Only me or my, you're the apple of my eye, girl. I never loved one like you. Found you hiding here, so won't you take my hand, darling? There's nothing that can stop you from becoming popular, Lar. I'm your host, Space Orphan 18. And uh, earlier we did the Kurt arc, uh, discussed Kurt and all of the themes that kind of went into his arc. And tonight we are doing the Blaine side of that. And I have some really big Blaine fans with me, and I will go ahead and let them introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Kay, Black John Leonard on Tumblr, Killer Queen 80 on the Archive. And I like to believe that I coined the phrase obnoxious Blaine standing. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Connie, and I'm a sleep-deprived mind on Tumblr, and I'm glad to be here talking about Blaine. Hi, I'm Izzy. I'm the Doc Mark on Tumblr, and I'm always here to talk about Blaine. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Um, So... Do you guys, right off the bat, though, do you guys want to reclaim the, the term Blee? You guys remember when that was? <laughs> <laughs> My sister has a playlist on her phone that is called Blee. <laughs> Blee. And she oh, oh. And found some fan art on Google, and that's the album cover for it and everything. Oh, my, just, oh my goodness. It just makes me think of that gift from... Um, Dance with somebody where it, yes. um, it's not right, it's okay. And it's like everyone, everyone's in the background and he's like in the foreground. Yeah, <laughs> there's a over it. yeah that's all yeah. I think about. Blaine! Uh, oh, or when like they, they combined Blaine and Darren and it was called Blaren. And Blaren, like, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, this is your time, guys. Time to take it back. <laughs> um, 
I love it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I know some of this we've covered in other podcasts, but I figure this is kind of the last go-around to really kind of dive into Blaine's character. And so I sent you guys a bunch of topics, and I, we can just jump right in. Um, Good, I have a lot of opinions. <laughs> that's shocking, Kay. You've never had any opinions on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? We should start off, though, because you're here, Kay. We should take a moment and, you know, really mourn the fact that we never got a really good Blaine and Mercedes plotline. How did they live together <laughs> and not have like, a single scene alone together? Yeah. They lived together. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you... Oh, man, I just... I can't. <laughs> so... There were so opportunities. many opportunities. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, Okay, so let's talk about Blaine and sexual identity a little bit. Because we definitely did this on the Kurt side. And I think it's kind of a fascinating thing because, you know, Kurt kind of gets this stereotypical gay storyline where it's like, oh, no, he has to come out to his dad and he has to struggle with, you know, people who hate him and because he's gay and he's bullied and he goes through kind of this arc. Blaine kind of gets a different story. And I think that's kind of a cool and interesting thing to talk about. Um, and that, you know, he is, he's still, you know, he still went through Sadie Hawkins and still had the issues, you know, with being bullied the same way as Kurt. But I feel like his story is, is overall different. I don't know. What do you guys think? I do think there are some differences, important differences in the two stories. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think that I've always had the headcanon that Blaine never struggled with the idea of being gay. Like, once he figured it out, he was just kind of like, oh, okay. And that it wasn't, like, a struggle for him. And I also believe that because his family, he didn't have as much to lose as Kurt. Because they never got the feeling that his family was as close-knit as Kurt and Bert were anyway. So it's like kind of like okay, he wants his parents to obviously he wants them to support him, but it wasn't like Kurt had like a serious fear of losing Bert by coming out, and I don't think that Blaine had that same problem. Um, I think it's kind of interesting that. Um, oops, sorry. Hold on, I'm just checking something. Okay, um, I think it's kind of interesting that. Blaine can pass as straight and that like a lot, you know, a lot of girls are into him and he's very flirty with girls. Um, But at the same time, he is like all in about being gay and he's done, you know, you said, Kay, once he figures it out, like um, he's like, yep, I'm going to do research. I'm going to figure out what it's about. And he just is kind of like, I'm not, he doesn't seem to be afraid of being gay. And in the same way, like Kurt was a little bit, I don't want to say afraid, but Kurt wasn't like, he didn't want people to know. He tried to pretend to be straight. And Blaine kind of didn't. He kind of latched onto it, but people don't always recognize him as gay. And that presented its own kind of problems. Um, I don't know. I will always remember um, it was, I, I think it was either tags or a comment on that. On, on a gift set, and I always remember it. It's a gift set where Kurt, it, from again, it's from um, Dance with Somebody, where Kurt basically uses that 
as against Blaine, saying, you know, you can pass as straight. You're, I think he says you're the alpha gay or even Rachel, mm-hmm. isn't you? I forget the exact quote. And then the look on Blaine's face is sort of just like, I know that, but I don't enjoy that. And I think that was what the comments essentially said, was that, sure, Blaine can pass as straight, but he knows he's not straight and he doesn't necessarily like, he never takes advantage, I don't think, of the fact that he can pass. And so, yeah, I don't think passing is, it's not, I mean, quote unquote, it's a privilege in the fact that, you know, you don't have to, you know, you don't have the same fears as someone who's more outwardly stereotypically femme or flamboyant, but it also means constantly having to come out to people, which mm. is not, is not a fun or easy thing. It also means people discounting certain aspects of who you are based on things that are really superficial and so I think there's just as much I won't say just as much pain in Mm. passing but it's also it's definitely not easy or fun and I definitely don't think Blaine enjoys you know constantly having to tell people or because when you think about it when you think about passing you think about the fact that the reason why someone quote-unquote passes, it's the same reason why some people of color are told, oh, you're so eloquent, you're so well-spoken. It's because it's just because they don't possess the negative stereotypes of the oppressed group that they belong to. So because Blaine doesn't, uh, doesn't obviously possess those negative quote-unquote markers of being gay, then people assume he's straight which in and of itself is homophobic mm-hmm. yeah and then, yeah and i don't know whether and and as yeah as i said before it, it's not I, I don't the fact that kurt uses it as like you know this is another reason why I, the context of that fight was basically like you know these are all the ways in which i struggle more than you essentially mm-hmm. and again i don't feel like that's really fair. Oh, totally yeah. No, I agree. I absolutely yeah. agree. Um, something that I kind of wanted to get into a little bit, though, is this idea that... Because at the beginning, we see this Blaine that we don't know his character very well. And yeah, he comes off as this very charming, you know, suave person. And I feel like as we get to know him and break him down a little bit more, he is sometimes as effeminate as Kurt. He's mm. got... You know, he can be come off as a quote unquote gay person. Um, and I, I don't know if he can always uh, pass, I use that phrase lightly, like in the way, um, you know, like his clothes become more flamboyant. And mm-hmm. um, he, he does like a lot of the same interests that Kurt does. He does into fashion. Like I read, I was reading a post the other day where the people were discussing like somebody claimed that Blaine wasn't into fashion or something like mm-hmm. that. I saw that. Yeah, and it's it's his kind literal of... second episode is the substitute where they're talking about their favorite Vogue covers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you it... don't you don't walk around in plaid and bright colored bow ties and capri <laughs> pants and all that if you're not into fashion. Yeah. Or you're but 90, that, but you know. That look was really hey, that look was, I'm kidding. That look was really in at the time and I no, only know that because at the time that season three and four were airing, I worked in the mall. 
And I remember walking through Macy's and seeing a mannequin dressed exactly like Blaine because I remember posting pictures of it on my Tumblr. So, yeah, he's definitely into fashion. You can tell when someone's not into fashion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just, it's so weird when fandom kind of gets, or even the main, and I feel like this even happened more in mainstream, where it's like, we start putting these heterosexual labels on this homosexual couple and, you know, Blaine is the boy and Kurt is yeah. the girl. Oh and, 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 you know, go ahead. Well, yeah, I was going to say, for some reason, and I've seen this in other, in other fandoms and with other relationships in the Glee fandom, it's almost like people believe that if two people are in a relationship, they have to be opposites of each other mm-hmm. for things yeah. to work. So if one character is really into fashion and the other character should be like really not into it and if one mm. character is like really meticulous and neat then the other one has to be a slob and I'm like that's just not even realistically how people are made and built and relate to each other you're not all everything doesn't have to be opposite and mm-hmm. being opposites doesn't make it more interesting no and, and it's like oh sorry oh, go ahead Izzy no Izzy, I was just ahead. gonna it, it was it was uh, the glee went out of its way even if it was just in a brief moment to tell you that Kurt and Blaine had obviously bonded over the fact that they were both into fashion. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand why, like, I mean, I do understand why, let's be real, but I don't understand why (laughs) we had in most things it has to be, you know, Kurt is clearly into fashion and Blaine is not. And um, I guess, like, does people not understand that that's what people in relationships do? They bond over the things they have in common. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's, That's how this works. (laughs) <laughs> that's kind of like what makes them like each other and want to be together is yeah right <laughs> yeah exactly i agree i mean and I, it also goes back to those uh, we put people in categories and or the fan inversions of like remember that list where like you know kurt is supposed to be Sorry, Kurt is supposed to be like graceful and swan like, and he's not. Mm. He trips over everything. And Blaine is the one who's actually really careful about things mm. and eats his, you know, salad with a knife and fork. And mm. well, Kurt's like scrunching down pizza. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. I, one of the things I really liked about Glee is that they took these, you know, whether it was intentional or not, they took some of these stereotypes and they broke them down. And I think yeah. Kurt ended up being much more masculine than a lot of people gave him credit for and Blaine ends up being a little bit more feminine than people people, give him credit for. I agree. I have like a running checklist of, you know, all these fan and things about Kurt and Blaine that were constantly being debunked in canon. And I like when they had that fight in season six and it was like Blaine about Kurt getting toothpaste on the towel and then putting the towel back up for use. And I was like, see, this is one of those things where it's like little nuances to the characters that people, people automatically assume that Kurt's like really messy, really, really neat and clean. And that everyone around him is a slob. Blaine's a slob and Finn's a slob and Bert's a slob. And Kurt's like constantly picking up after them when it turns out that Kurt's the one that's a little bit messy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I will, I will also freely admit it's part of, and I think I've said this a number of times before, and I'm not the first one to have said this. It's a number of, it's one of the reasons why I say like, if I'm ever trying to read, like, say, a piece of fic and somebody goes out of their way to tell me that the Blaine in this fic doesn't dress the same way as the Blaine in the show or he doesn't gel down his hair, I'm like, this is not Blaine anymore. 
Yeah. You're literally I just stopped reading one yeah. the other day for that same reason. Yeah, yeah, literally just writing Darren Chris into this fic, and it doesn't work, guys. I'm really sorry. I'll give <laughs> I'll give it a pass if it's an early early one before we kind of knew all this stuff because those exist. But anything anything written after season three or four, you got no excuse. Sorry, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's. I get Darren is a. Let's talk about this for a second because I think it's interesting. <laughs> Darren <laughs> is no is a a very fascinating person, and I do think he's quite a bit different than Blaine. Um, but like, I can understand the pull of like, I feel like this is going to sound weird, and I will cut this out if you guys don't understand or follow me. But I feel like women are attracted to Darren, and this like you know I this kind of. Darren asked Darren part of it and not necessarily the parts of Blaine that they don't really are attracted to, like the, the cardigans and the gelled hair and everything. And so they try to pull that in so that they can overlap the two and, and have their cake and eat it too. I don't know if yeah. I'm making any sense. No, it makes sense. It makes it's sense. Just that yeah. I think that there are a lot of characters on Glee where you could do that. I just feel like Kurt and Blaine are the two where it really doesn't work. Yeah. Because Darren and Chris are so different. From Kurt yeah. and Blaine and how they present themselves, how they carry themselves, how they dress, you know, like their personalities. Like you could take little bits of Amber and put it into a Mercedes fanfiction and people probably wouldn't notice. You can definitely take bits of Leah and put them in a Rachel fanfiction and nobody's going to really notice. But you cannot take bits of who Darren is out of character and put them in Blaine's place. It's completely out of place. Yeah. And I, I remember there was just one behind-the-scenes feature. I forgot exactly. Maybe it was season four or something with was in New York. Yeah. I know exactly which one you're talking about. It was from The Project. It's an Australian TV show with Osha Gunsberg. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the one yeah. yeah. I remember it because yeah. it was an Australian program. And I'm like, thank you, Osha, for my life. Yeah. I, there is a... A Vine is that the one where he something? becomes Blaine? And yeah, that's uh, yeah. Yep. that was yep. fascinating. Oh my god, I have watched that a thousand times. There's one during the Listen Up tour too, where he asks, basically asks himself if he can come up, but he asks Blaine. So like, there's he turns the camera on him, and well, no, he turns it on Blaine, and does somebody he, Blaine is like, "Hey, can I come on to the the tour with yeah, you?" And yeah, then he goes yeah. to Darren, and yeah. he's like. No, yeah. you're a fictional character. <laughs> and Blaine's like kind of flirty with him when he asks. Yeah, it was yeah. a, it was when Vine first started. Him and Harry were always posting yeah. funny vines like that. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think yeah, there was another one. I think there was another one in season four promo where it's he's all Darren. He doesn't do the change into Blaine, but he's like, I, I, there's it's a gray background. I think he's wearing like a blue or a gray colored shirt, and he's like. And he's like, I don't know. And I, it's Darren and he's like talking. And then all of a sudden he becomes Blaine. And he kind of sits up straighter and he kind yeah. of takes on this. So I remember the gif. I don't remember the video. And he says something like, we'll find out what happens. And his voice, like his voice gets higher. And it's literally, you can see him being Blaine looking like Darren. And it just yeah. kind of, there's this weird, real disconnect. And it's yeah. very strange. Yeah. Whenever he acted, whenever Darren, like we saw these BTS stuff and Darren was still in the Blaine gel and he's acting like Darren, it's like, it throws me off. Yeah. I'm like, what in the world? Like, it it's feels weird. weird. Like in New York when he's with Elliot and it's clearly Darren and it's very yeah. weird. 
Yeah, I <laughs> would that, not have included that, that scene. Yeah. I would have cut it off right then and there because as soon as you put the guitar in his hand, he can't help it. He becomes Darren again. Yeah, um, <laughs> totally on another side tangent um, because I think it's fascinating to talk about just as a set for a second. This idea of like this, like this kind of gender identity blurring, or like we can't all be in like specific boxes with sexuality and identity and gender identity. Um, just looking at Chris and Darren, I remember early on there was like this thing floating around where Darren was like, I think it was like had to do with the 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 original song kiss where like Chris was like eating like Doritos and being really gross. And Darren was like, you know, primer and proper and getting like breath mints and getting all ready to do this because like, um, and it was a cartoon. I don't remember what it said exactly, but just, it reminded me of like Darren identifies as straight. He's a straight mm-hmm. man, but he has yeah. a lot of feminine characteristics about it. He does wear the nail polish. He is flamboyant. He yeah. is a little bit effeminate. Whereas Chris, yeah. um, even more so than Kurt is he's a very masculine guy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. he, you know, and so I think it's important, not just to me talk about the actors, but then going back to the characters that, you know, people are not black and white. They don't fit into X category and Y category. You know, they can bend the rules. And I think people forget about that when we have some conversations about these characters and sexual and gender identities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think because, and this, this is this is fandom, and, and I feel like they struggle with this particularly. And it's funny because the show even addressed this. And that was sort of that, like, especially when the character of Blaine was first introduced, he was sort of intru- he was introduced as the mentor character. And he was clearly, like, a character here to help uh, a Kurt who was struggling with what he was doing. So Kurt was really relying on him. And then they kind of did a complete role reversal. And we see this conversation happen in Tested. Where, like, you know, I think what, you know, it's not a race. We don't have to try and compete with one another as to who's going to kind of be the person in this relationship who is essentially the, I mean, I can't say this without, you know, it's sounding offensive, but I know exactly how fandom interpreted it. Like who is Mm -hmm. the more masculine role of the one who's supporting the other and who is like leading us on where we're going. Um, and I feel like people always think back and think of season two Kurt instead of where Kurt evolved and changed. And they do the same thing with Blaine. They still think he's season two Blaine. And there's a reason everybody misses season two Blaine. Oh my God. And I'm like, no. And I don't, I never, I never missed season two Blaine. Season two Blaine wasn't a character. No, I he know. Was he, was, he was just, he yeah. was just there. He, he was a tertiary character. He was a tertiary character to Kurt's story. Yeah. 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 Give me no. season three and four Blaine with flaws and and a personality and a yeah. sense of humor. Yeah. You know, yeah. give me a real person. Yeah. Yeah, but then he's not there specifically just for Kurt, and that's not fun. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, sorry, I was gonna say something and I'm just choking on myself. <laughs> she you found know, that hard to swallow. Oh, <laughs> agree no i agree because i think the problem and the reason we got a bigger split in fandom was this idea that you know blaine just existed to be a part of court courts courts uh god i'm just winning on these podcasts lately um yeah listen to the one where i say legis hats uh, anyway oh my um, gosh that's a classic uh, <laughs> um uh, Hold on. Let me collect my thoughts again. Um, 
It's gone. I don't know. I don't remember what oh, I was talking no. about. <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking about where just to go back to the blame when we were talking about uh, blame being able to pass us straight. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a thought to come to me when I was thought when I initially saw that um, question was I couldn't help but think. You know, there are parallels. I know it's hard to. We were talking about the actor versus the character. But what I was thinking about with, with, with what was going on with Derrida at the time, or a little bit later, too, is because, you know, because his he's, his own heritage is um, half Filipino and, you know, and Irish. And they were talking about, I remember there's conversation going on in, well, Fanta, maybe later on than this, but... There was the same parallel going on between as Darren being able to pass as white, you know, when they were talking about Asian American representation and you know acting and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's still something going along as that, and I think it affected it because when we were talk- talking later about you know his Lane's family and everything, and you know who his mom is and everything, and people had the Phantom had to, had a cast in their heads. That Leia Salonga would be the perfect mom for casting for Blaine because they're drawing upon um, Darren's not only friendship with Leia, uh, Leia Salonga, but the fact that she is Filipino and stuff. So I I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I it's just the uh, I know we're talking about Blaine and his sexuality right there, but it was, that's something else that popped into my head when I was. You know, Absolutely, Connie. And yeah. I was actually, I felt bad I didn't put this on there. And I was thinking about that as I was prepping today it, that we could talk about race because I think that's just as important as mm-hmm. the sexual identity and that we have um, we have somebody that's Filipino and Darren is Filipino. And I think that Blaine is Filipino and that shouldn't yeah. be. Um, and so, I, yeah, I, I open it up to you guys. I mean, how do you feel about um the importance of this character being a person of color, you know, on TV, having this major storyline and being representative of, you know, I, I think it's really super important, but I would like to open up to you guys. So it's definitely important before Superstore. I don't, I don't think I would have been able to name another Asian male gay character. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, there's just Mateo on Superstore and Mm -hmm. Blaine. And I think, People are hung up on things like names, like, well, if his mom is lit, um, mm-hmm. Gina Gershon and his last name is Anderson, then he can't be half Filipino. Yeah. And I came up with my own headcanons to work around that. But then again, mm-hmm. I also have a friend with the last name very, 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 very close to Anderson, sounds just like that, who's 100% Filipino. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just, so that doesn't matter because colon, colonization happens. I was going to yeah. say, yeah, and, it does. I think that, like, you know, you do get some people who maybe they've moved over or, like, they came over to America and they were, sometimes people were, I know my family came over from Greece and they were forced to change their last name to a more Americanized name so that Americans could, like, spell it and understand it. Mm. Um, And you guys watch Parks and Rec, I remember in early season one when Leslie asked Tom Haverford, like, how mm -hmm. do you end up, how are you Indian and your name is Tom Haverford? And he tells them that he changed it. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. So we don't know 
Um, you know, and maybe like we don't know the the background. We don't know of the dad. I assume the dad is Filipino. Um, I always had this headcanon that, at least the way that I in my like headcanon is that Pam and Cooper's mom were off and on, off and on, off and on. And during one of the off periods, she met a guy, had a baby. Then they were back on, and she was raised by Cooper's dad. Yeah. And adopted uh, by Cooper's dad. Huh. Yeah. That's literally, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I've read, read a lot. Well, I mean, there's got to be some way where you explain why M- M- Matt Bomer is, is you know, Darren's, <laughs> uh, Darren's brother. I mean, sorry, why Cooper is is Blaine's brother when he is clearly not of mixed race. And I and I tend to agree that there's probably some, you know, they've both got different dads to explain yeah. it away. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and, and, and that's not unusual. That doesn't not make sense. I don't understand yeah. why this had to become a big thing. I don't like, know. Yeah. Well, and I think something that's important in talking, because I remember... We're not going to name names, but I do remember Mm -hmm. a huge thing in fandom where they were like, well, Glee never, you know, explicitly stated that he was Filipino or even of Asian descent. And it's like, well, you know what? But if you know Darren's background Mm -hmm. and then you are talking with somebody else, then you should not misidentify. Like, you know better than that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I so. remember that because the same person that we're not naming said, "Well, if that's the case, then Rachel's half black because one of her dads is black." And I was like, "That's, that's not, not how this works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. that's not how this works. We're yeah. not going to do that." Yeah. <laughs> it's it's hurtful to people. Or, or yeah, I shouldn't speak for you guys. I'm sorry, Connie. I keep talking uh, over you. Ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say it's hurtful to people. Like that's representation that matters. Um, mm-hmm. So that's all I was gonna say. <laughs> and I'm glad that now that Glia dared, now that we we still we have more characters on TV now that are Asian and who are who are gay too. And I'm glad because people would like to see themselves. <laughs> so on on mm-hmm. on on screen, and I'm glad there's there's been trying to get more representation lately so it's like I feel like it, I, were, I, were, I feel like we're making some progress in that on that front yeah. yeah well kind of adjacent did you guys have you guys have seen the actor that um, is playing the new Shang-Chi oh and yeah He's adorable, and, and like um, I guess a lot of people were, you know, a lot of obviously white people or something were like, "Oh, he's not attractive." I'm like, "Are you kidding me? He's what? just as built oh, yeah. as like Chris Hemsworth Evans. and Evans and yeah. all that." And like, and he's, he's a babe. What? Oh, my what? God. <laughs> These people um, don't have taste. Uh, is this for the Mulan live action movie? No, no it's for, for Shang Chi. This is Shang Chi, um, Marvel guy. Yeah. Oh, I don't know who that is. Yeah, it's he, a, he's he's very attractive. <laughs> he's yeah. very attractive and very sweet and funny yeah. and charming. Uh, like I watched the the panel for um, at Comic Con with where he came out and he talked, and I'm like, this guy's gonna be fantastic. I can't wait yeah. to see him on the big screen. You know, I can't Tim, remember. Timu Liu. Timu Liu. Yeah. Yeah. He, okay. he, he's a he's on a show in Canada called Kim's Convenience. And it's a, okay, I've heard of that show. Yeah, it's a big show, and he plays like the son of it. And now um, he—that's where he—he's—he's uh, he's a Canadian actor, and 
for that part, um, I know this is off tangent a bit, but he was reacting to a social media post that he saw for, about actual Chinese who were commenting, not not not. Oh, um, really? Yeah, okay. Chinese in China who were commenting on his look. So he didn't he didn't look a certain way. He's not Chinese. And that's why he was commenting on that. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that part of it. I yeah. thought it was just a bunch of nasty trolls. No, So is he playing a Chinese character, but he's not actually Chinese? No, he no. is playing a Chinese character, and he's Chinese. Canadian. Oh, but they're saying he's not yeah. Chinese enough. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. okay. The, Interesting. The, the Chinese in China don't think he's Chinese enough, or whatever Chinese is. In their eyes, so that is, I relate to that criticism. Yep, yep. I've gotten something similar before involving yep. a certain type of cookie. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. Um, well, but anyway, it's cool that Blaine, you know, and you're not checking up boxes like, oh, Blaine can check up all these boxes. No, people have different backgrounds and different races and different sexualities and different identities. And the fact that if we can just integrate them so it's all normalized, that's like the most important thing. Yeah. So, and not only that, but I also think people should understand that families look different. Yeah. If we exactly. can, I mean, our fandom has no problem accepting Rachel has two dads. Or that Kurt was, you know, raised by a single father because his mother passed away. Well, then there are also kids whose parents have, who have different fathers and mothers than their siblings. And they're still as much of a family as two siblings that have the same parents. Or yeah. if we can call Kurt and Blaine, I mean, Kurt and Finn brothers and they're just stepbrothers. Well, then we can understand that there is a way for Blaine to be biracial and Cooper to not to be biracial and for them to be brothers just as much as anyone else mm -hmm. and families come all kinds of configurations and it's more interesting when we have different types of families and I like the idea of Blaine having a different father than his brother or being yeah. raised by, mm -hmm. his, by Cooper's dad and not really having anything to do with his own dad I mean there's just a lot of story that could be that you could get from that Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Um, kind of moving forward, though. Oh, shoot. What was I going to say? I'm just looking at my list. Now, kind of going to different... Um, just throwing it out there because I find it an interesting thing. They toyed with the idea of Blaine being bisexual, and then they pulled him back, and he is 100% gay. But... I mean, do you think the story would have been a lot different had Blaine been bisexual? Do you think that would have been... I don't know. Do you think Lee would have handled that okay? Or No. 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 Uh, no. In more no. capable hands, it could have been yeah, an interesting story to tell. Yeah. In the hands of the Glee writers, it would nope. have been a love triangle between... Uh. It would have been a love quadrahedron or something between, like, <laughs> Kurt and Rachel, Rachel. and Finn and Blaine and Quinn mm -hmm. and like yeah. literally the whole entire Glee Club. It would have just been horrible. <laughs> that would have been a big yeah. mess. So no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. It was just interesting. We were also talking. We did an LGBT a panel, and um, we were talking about how there just there weren't any bisexual males on the show, and how it would have been nice to have a positive representation of that on there. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I. I I don't know whether you could really call Britney a positive representation of being bisexual. That's true. Not because not yeah. because, 
It's because of the way that they had written her, not because no, of agree. her herself. Yeah. Right. So I, I don't, like, I, I'm glad that she still existed on the show, but I feel like they never even properly acknowledged that she was bisexual. Yeah, she's, yeah they yeah. never had her actually say the word bisexual. No. No, no. Not, yeah. No. Not at all. frustrating. Mm. So. so, yeah, I agree it would have been maybe an interesting story, but I don't, I'm glad, I'm glad that they didn't go there. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the yeah. show's track record more than anything. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's because of the writers of this show. In more <laughs> capable hands, it could have been really well done. Yeah. Mm. I'm sure there's some great fanfic out there that explore it better than the writers probably could have done it. So there is. Mm. I've read a couple, but I don't remember. I feel like I feel like the ones I'd read and you again you can always tell when these stories have been written because if if a story's been written say in season two, it's probably going to be a a, a Blaine who's exploring his sexuality with Rachel, whereas if it's written in season four oh, it's yeah. going to be with Tina and that's yeah. what it yeah. was. Oh that's right. Or Sam. Right. Yeah. Or, oh no, well I mean like if it's yeah. with a with oh, a female yeah. character, oh, it's gonna okay. be with um okay, yeah. With, yeah. Yeah. There's a character who should have been bisexual. <laughs> yes, that would have been great. That would have been in, yeah. I could, I can see them. I could have seen in the hands of capable writers. Yeah, them right. Doing again, that. another, yeah. another coulda, woulda, shoulda. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So, um, is there anything else you guys wanted to say about that? Are you okay if I change gears a little bit? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. So let's talk about Blaine and his career. And Blaine is a performer. Um, You know, I know Kay and I have discussed amicably about uh, is performance the only option? And you say yes, and I say no, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I say yes because Blaine is one of the few characters where they showed that as, like, his real only passion. Yeah. Like with Kurt, we got to see him, we got to see that he loved all these different things. So it would have been more believable if Kurt had gone into like fashion or or I don't know culinary school because he's shown a passion for them. I just don't agree that we ever saw Blaine show passion for anything else. I also just the things that I think about Blaine's personality and and the reasons why people want Blaine to be a teacher. Yeah. And actually knowing teachers are the reasons why I don't think he would be a good teacher. Like, just because he's silly and loves kids doesn't mean that he's going to be a good teacher. Because there's so much more that goes mm-hmm. into that. And I know that you know that because your parents are teachers. Yeah. Well, and but I a lot of fandom goes, oh, he's a kindergartner. He should teach kindergarten. No, that's not how that goes. No. And I actually, I don't, like... I feel the the opposite way because of this the same thing because you know my parents are teachers but at the same time I do first of all I do agree with you about I feel the same way about you know performance he is one of the people who sh- are on the performance track like Rachel and I really yeah. only a few people really feel like that like Mercedes is on the pop track but like other than those three maybe I don't know if I really necessarily see the rest of them as performers mm. we did talk about the Kurt stuff on the Kurt one so go listen to that before you yell at me. Um, but, um, 
I I mean, like, I also could see him in a in an alternate universe type of thing as like a college professor more than a you know. But also maybe with the children's stuff, I can see him being a good like dad, and I can see him being good with children in other ways where he has to go in and he you know. Everything from babysitting to teaching a one-off class or something like that. Um, I read a no. fan fiction where Blaine gave piano lessons on the side to yeah. make money while he was in college. And I could see him definitely doing that, teaching kids piano. As like, you know, instead of working retail or getting a job as a waiter, teaching mm. kids piano to make yeah. money while he's in school. I could see that. So, um, Izzy, Connie, how do you guys feel? Well, I was just trying to think... All tends to blur together a bit, but wasn't there? I remember there was a time when Fandom picked up that Blaine should, was going to be a doctor or something. Oh, God. Oh, moving out. <laughs> no. Yeah, oh, is that, is that, <laughs> moving out spoilers that like 30 oh, seconds like, oh, okay. clip of him playing Operation as a kid. Oh, oh, that's man. where it was. I was like, where did I, where did I come from? Because all of a sudden, yeah. I, I, I didn't remember that. Oh, episode. that weekend like, was a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember the thing and chattering about it. And that was like the whole big old debate and all that. Yeah, I woke up. Being on the <laughs> West Coast, I always would wake up. And it would be like World War Three on my dash. <laughs> and I'd be like, what the hell happened while I was sleeping? Yeah. I always felt so bad for you guys because it was like, what are the Blaine stands upset about now? (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, that's the only thing I could think of that, that that I guess that was one thing and people extrapolated whatever, you know, I guess. I don't even remember what the argument was, but that's the only thing that I can remember as as being an alternative that was talked among fandoms, but I didn't really think that was about, you know, an option just because it was so well, the argument the argument at that time was that there were those huh, there were people who weren't particularly sh- they were clean shippers but they didn't really like Blaine so much as yeah. they were like well Blaine's the person Kurt's with and they mm-hmm. were like super excited that Blaine was not going to be performing and the insinuation was was because that would mean Kurt would be the more famous one oh, yeah. oh my okay. god <laughs> Okay. See, this, is, this is part of the reason why I find it and again this 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 clearly has to do with my own issues and the fact that I am and will ever forever be a salty flames fan is that it's very difficult to want him to be anything other than a performer other than the fact that the show clearly went out of its way to show you how good he was at it mm-hmm. but that people use that as a well if Blaine's not a performer, clearly he's not successful, and then it just becomes a competition again between like, oh, well, Kurt's clearly going to be the more successful one, and yes. so then like and I, and I despise the I also despise the fact that people consider something like, you know, teaching to be like the thing that he does when he's not successful, when to be a teacher it takes a lot of hard work and you have to yeah. really be in a specific place in your life and a specific mindset to be able to do it successfully right and the exactly. idea that he would just choose to do it because he's not successful anymore or we're failed at being a performer See, it, it, is it, not well it's unfortunately with me. the the show framed it that way because 
Will is a teacher because he's a failed performer. Yeah, and, and like, the oh, and Rachel, yeah. like Rachel went okay. back to McKinley after she failed at performing, and Blaine went back to Dalton after you know he failed out of Niada. Like it, it always seemed like that thing that you do when you fail at what you want to do. That's and that's stupid saying those who can't do. It's yeah, like stupid no. saying those who can't do and those who can't teach is fucking bullshit. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I, it's a, yeah. I think it's, un- I think it's a slap in the face of the teaching profession. Um, I agree. But the show, the, unfortunately, yeah. the show made performance. Um, and as we've talked about a lot of times on the podcast, they never were able to, uh, it was either performing or nothing really or failure. And they mm-hmm. never were able to show that you can do different kinds of, you know, creative endeavors and other jobs. Um, and it was always, I think, I think we talked about this on the Blaine wrap up arc because you can be successful, especially in like the performance world and not necessarily be on stage. Like Blaine could become like a very successful musical composer. And it's not that anyone outside of say a Broadway sphere would know his name, but he would, could be very, very successful as a, like in terms of like levels of recognition, very few reach that level of the Lin-Manuel Miranda, but there are plenty of really well-known musical writers and composers who are very successful, but we just might not know because we're not savvy in the the Broadway world. Yeah. Or like even like a Diane Warren who like every pop ballad from like, 80s and 90s was written by her. I couldn't pick her up out of a lineup, but or even I know Burke Diane Warren's song when I many, hear one. When when they did the Burke Bacharach tribute, how many people actually know who Burt Bacharach is? Yeah. Um, and that he was responsible for writing these all of these you know pop songs that we know from other artists because they perform them. Yeah. Um, so well, this leads me to a question: How do you guys feel um, using the the script from the finale that he went and he wrote some musicals but how do you feel about uh, Blaine as somebody who creates music or as somebody who writes musicals or etc cetera, etc cetera? is that too Darren-ish or do you find some grounding in Blaine with that I always pictured him as a singer-songwriter even if that yeah. is a little Darren-ish yeah. Blaine expresses himself with music so to me writing music writing pop music, writing musicals was just like the next step from there. Yeah, I could see that. I was headcanning him and Mercedes and him and Marley writing music yeah. together. Oh, I, like, yeah. I like the idea of him and Marley writing music together, especially yeah. him and Mercedes as well. Yeah. Um, do you guys see him as somebody who um, makes it outside of the Broadway world? I mean, it's, does he do pop music or does he... And go into acting and do some film or television or et cetera, et cetera. I always mm-hmm. imagine that Artie would would cast him in something. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. yeah, yeah definitely. But my only thing is that I feel like everyone in their group would have seen Rachel's foray into television and probably been turned yeah. off of it for at least <laughs> ten years. <laughs> like we're gonna we're gonna be very specific about like the people that we work with, and they would probably wait until like Artie was relatively like a su- pretty successful, and they were like, yeah, he's got a proven track record. We're definitely okay. We're gonna work with you now, Artie. It's all good. Yeah. Exactly. Goodness. And yeah, and yeah. doesn't the script say that he's Grammy nominated as well? Mm-hmm. I yeah. think so. Yeah. But it's been a while. I, we haven't done the script podcast yet. So yeah. yeah, I always imagine that Artie would end up casting him on in a movie or, yeah. or that he'd yeah. do like and a Artie, movie musical. 
I feel like that would Artie would do that, and he'd literally just call up all of his like famous friends, and everyone at, at that point it had been so long, and people would dig through and be like, "Oh my god, all these people know one another. What the hell?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> but like, I, I like the I also like the idea of like because a lot of especially when people are workshopping. Well, I don't know this. For, for real but I know that sometimes when people are workshopping especially musicals sometimes and this I think is how partly how Lynn came to be to play the role of Hamilton is that he workshopped it and it just kept he just kept playing it like that could be Blaine workshopping like a lead role or a, a you know a supporting role in a performance that he was writing and he either continued on and, and eventually performed that role when it made it to Broadway or made it to wherever it made it to or he could not. I don't know. But I think the idea that that's how he continues to perform is one that I enjoy, where he's performing his own works, yeah. helping them reach. But I, I don't well, know. I feel like he could also, yeah, you know, also perform other people's work. I don't know. He's a bit of a control freak, so maybe he does I, like yeah. control his, do his own work. I know people like the idea the yearbook they released of Blaine being a house husband. Oh, gosh. So I could see him stepping into being more of a songwriter, producer type, the kind, you know, so that he could be home, not necessarily a house husband, but just so that he's not always traveling and something like having a studio in the house where Mm -hmm. he could write and produce and stuff from home or from being close to home. Yeah, and I can see him being more the the one the stay-at-home parent where Kurt's off maybe you know he's got an office and he's whatever Kurt does and Blaine's the one that stays at home with the kids but he does have a job still and he does do you know a lot of things from home but yeah yeah, that's just me so I don't know I remember didn't like in the like the final episode didn't they say that like in the flash forward that he he had gone into acting or something because they made a reference that him and Kurt were playing at I forgot which set but they were playing a version of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Yep. Oh, let me hear. Yeah. I pulled it up for everybody. So this okay. is what the script says. <laughs> um, by the way, being gay kids, you can only you you can only have careers in the arts. Just mm-hmm. kidding. Uh, Blaine and Kurt are here because I think they're just inspirational. Kurt Hummel and Blaine Anderson recently performed the first official LGBT version of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf at the Lincoln Center. Kurt Kurt won an Obie Award for his riveting portrayal of Martha, and he also designs a very successful line of men's jewelry sold on QVC called Alma Bragg. His Uh husband, Blaine, is a Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter. He composed such works as St. Elmo's Fire, the musical, and Trapped in an (laughs) Elevator, a love story. (laughs) (laughs) I love saying almost fire. That would make a great musical. Yeah, uh, I'm here for Trapped in an Elevator, a love story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yep. So. Yeah. All right. Um, pulling that thing up, though. Um, do you guys, would you guys wanted, and I know kind of the answer, but if you want to elaborate, <laughs> uh, do you guys, would you guys have wanted uh, Blaine's career choices and his career career track to have gotten more screen time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I want Blaine's everything to get more screen time. I yeah. wouldn't mind if they dedicated an episode to his meal planning. I mean, like, <laughs> just give me more Blaine. Period. <laughs> well, because well, 
I, I was annoyed with the fact that they didn't talk about, you know, after he got kicked out of Niata and everything, you know, mm-hmm. and he was tra- they were trying to figure out, okay, is he going to reapply after he and Kirk got back together, but what is he going to do for college? And the only, th- the only re- reason we found out about where he was going is because of something that Kurt said in, in, like in, a, con- in, in a conversation with Rachel, too. Yeah. Spirit. I'm like, okay, is that the only thing we're going to know about how Blake gets back to college? Like, what what did he even choose? So I was I, I wish they would have explained it more upon that and given him... If only there had been episodes that weren't dedicated to brand new characters <laughs> or yes. old characters that no one cares about. <laughs> think of all that Whatever time. you're talking about. Think of that great time that Will and Sue got. I mean, it yeah. was really yeah. necessary. This Come is on. a rant I was going to go on when... But scheduling had made it impossible for me to be on the Dreams Come True podcast. But this has been sitting on my heart literally since <laughs> how I met your mother ended. And then Glee, and then hearing, seeing my friends' reactions to the end of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I have yeah. this rant that I want to say to any showrunner that I ever have the opportunity to speak to for five minutes. I understand you start your show and you have this idea of where it's going to end. Even though you're at the beginning. And I also know that 90% of shows don't always work out that way. And they take turns. Characters become popular that you didn't think were going to become popular. The show changes over time. You need to accept that change. (laughs) Instead of trying to force the final season into the idea that you had 10 years ago. Because Mm -hmm. that idea does not work anymore. Nope. No, that's all. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I finally let you have the platform to say that. <laughs> You're welcome to say that again on the season six rap podcast too. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing, and I know this is not necessarily related to necessarily to playing specifically, but this is something that I think about every, and I think I've said this before. Every single time one of these shows ends and people are unhappy about it. And I know that, like, Glee was not, but no, by no means perfect. And neither, the ending was, like, not perfect, but I feel like it gave its fans a lot of, well, most it of could what be we worse. wanted to see. Yeah. It could have been way, yeah. way worse. It had a track record yeah. to be way, way worse. And I think about how, and I mean, I've seen so many people like, oh, I don't watch Glee anymore. Look at me watching these fast period television shows like Game of Thrones. And I watch <laughs> Teen Wolf now. And I'm like, mm-hmm, how do those shows end for you? Mm-hmm. Real good, right? real good, right? <laughs> Anyway, I feel like (laughs) going on on my own tangent, which I probably will save for uh, the bigger one for later. But I feel like it became a thing even after like season two to be like, I hate Glee now Mm because it's a it's a, you know, the rise and fall of Glee was a thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we were talking about it maybe on another podcast and being my own circles that what kind of happened was that, uh, you know, now, cause I'm seeing a resurgence of it a little bit. Cause now they're like 10 years later. I, there are a lot of young people, um, that, and Izzy might, you might be the youngest one here. Um, that's, uh, watched it as teenagers and kind mm-hmm. of got disillusioned as they were watching it. Yeah. Um, and then grew up. Yeah. Yeah. And and then they're like, no, I didn't like how that happened, and I didn't like that experience or whatever. And everybody that is older 
that that kind of went through it as, at an older age. I mean, there are exceptions, obviously, but most of the people that I went through it with me at an older age don't have the same hangups that I see a lot of these like young. There's this one really anti Glee post that was going around for a while, and I looked, mm-hmm. and this chick was 19 that mm-hmm. wrote it, and I'm like, "You're really gonna take a 19 year old? Like, I mean, you should take 19." She was 11 at season. She was like 11, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm 30. like. You know, this anger has more to it than just, you know, I'm going to, like, hate the show. There was other things going on, and like, you know, growing up and becoming disillusioned and et cetera, et cetera. Like, I mean, it's twofold, I think. I think there's always the natural, in certain personality types, there's always that natural thing of wanting to be, like, contrary to whatever the popular thing is. Like, I have this friend who loves to remind me that he does not like Michael Jackson or the Beatles. You know what I mean? Like, there's always going to be those people who, if something becomes really popular, then it's going to be their job to hate it because it's mm. so popular. Yeah. So I think there's that as- along with the age thing. And I think that it comes from when Glee started, I was 29. I had already survived the ghost sex season of Grey's Anatomy. Mm. For me, that's, yeah. the lowest yeah. of a, that's the I, lowest I, of a show <laughs> that could go. Yeah. You know, as but long I think as Glee didn't go ghost sex, I was fine. <laughs> But I think that's the other thing is that and and for a lot of these people, for especially the young people, this was the first time they'd gotten invested in a television show and it had sort of disappointed them. Like they'd never like that's why I think if you're older and I'm I was not young I was the young girl when Glee started, but it was my not my first rodeo in terms of like internet fandom. Mm-hmm. My first and and I think people talk about how Glee was there with the rise of social media tumblr and twitter specifically and i think that also probably didn't help yeah. but for a lot of mm-hmm. young people who'd never been in fandom circles before didn't know that you could interact with other fans about this on the internet and it kind of like and it was their first time they they invested all this time and energy into something and it disappointed them and mm-hmm. so now anytime they go into a new show they kind of know what to expect and they and they hold back or they you know they're, they're ready Whereas, and they think back of that experience and it was terrible. And they're like, oh, I hate it. It was the yeah. worst. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh man, when I was your age, Dylan dumped Brenda for her best friend. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Well, so, so it's like, yeah, I've been, you know, yeah, once you've, if you've watched TV and been in, a, I mean, I hadn't been in other fandoms. I lurked in the Harry Potter fandom, but I came to that after all the books had already been published. But I've been invested in TV shows for a long time. So it's like you always know the shows are going to have ups and downs and ebbs and flows. And there's going to be seasons that you absolutely loathe. And there's going to be, you know, and sometimes the show can bounce back from that. And sometimes they can't. And you just kind of know what to, you just expect that. Yeah. Oh, this is also something that I've noticed spending some time on Twitter. And again, it's not related, and it might have to come up in like the rap season. This is the, your rap podcast. This is something that I've noticed, and I'm all for new people discovering Glee, and I'm all and I'm so happy that it's on Netflix. And people who maybe abandoned the show or were too young to watch it are going back and watching it now. But all I've noticed is it just means all this discourse is coming back up again, and I can't, I can't, I can't do it again. This is the reason that you know this is a happy place. Um, Oh, the discourse! Yeah, like I was on one the other day, and some twelve—I don't think she was twelve, but she's probably thirteen or fourteen or fifteen—was going off on why like complain terrible for one another. I'm like, honey, we've heard this all before. What are you doing? Been there, done that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Anyway, so let's sorry. go moving. No, don't be sorry. Oh my God, how dare you get off on a tangent? Um, <laughs> let's talk about Blaine and music. Um, and you know, he. I, I had these questions, and I'm kind of curious as to what your answers, if you have answers. Uh, what is his relationship with music throughout the series? What is his style, and how does it define him? I, I mean, think I Blaine a- uses music to express himself. Yeah. I think that's where he's most comfortable communicating. Yeah. I think he's really passionate and knowledgeable about it. Like, when, I, when Tina wanted for the Diva project, he was, you know, had a playlist and just names of artists. I think it's something that he really put a lot of time into learning about on his own. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Oh, sorry. Good. No, I was just going to say quickly, I think he is very versatile with his music in a way that maybe, I don't want to say others aren't, but I think that he's able to latch on to various amount of, like he can do pop and he can do Broadway and he can do other things and he experiments with other things. I mean, no, he can't rap, but you know, he tries. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean he can't rap? Motherfickle is iconic. Motherfickle. <laughs> I think wow. that he... He's probably one of those people whose iPod or whatever they use now, that his phone has just every genre you could probably imagine. But I also think he's knowledgeable of it, too. I mean, I think that he's the one where he probably understands music theory and he probably understands, like, you know, jazz chords and he probably understands X, Y, and Z more. Like, Kurt has its his own strengths and weaknesses. I don't think Kurt really cares how much if you can, you know, resolve a seventh chord to a, a major whatever. Um, but Blaine probably gets into a lot of the the nuances of how music is created. And I can see him, like, even, like, let's do something experimental. Let's use a computer. Let's use the synthesizer. Hey, I'm going to yeah. use these pots and pans to create something. I just see him <laughs> as a very... Like latching on to any kind of sound and doing something with it. Yeah, and that's why I never thought Niata was a fit for Blaine. Mm. Yeah, I don't feel like Niata would have offered. Other than offered... that, it was a scam school. <laughs> Other than it was a scam school for witches, yeah. I don't believe that Niata would have given. Like at NYU, I mean, I'm not 100. I know they have their Clive Davis program, and I don't know what those classes entail, but. I, if there were an opportunity for Blaine to take music theory classes and classes on different genres of music and things like that, I think that he would. I think that would interest him greatly. And I don't think that Niata's curriculum would have anything of the sort that Can would really see ex- him? engage him like that. Let's say, like, I'm totally headcanning this this fic right now where Blaine gets super drunk and he starts spitting out random, like, music trivia questions like do you know in the 1890s when beethoven wrote this it was blah yeah. blah blah, blah. Like, <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> oh man so anyway but I, like just... i like i like i appreciate that the show kind of went out of its way and i know it's never necessarily like completely engaged with a whole like is plain depressed storyline but it did go out of its way to tell you that he you know after he and Gerda broken up the second time he was having trouble even like Right, like he he couldn't even bring himself to to do anything with music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a big thing. I mean, the fact that that was like the thing that he loves the most. Yeah, and he couldn't do it. He yeah, anymore. yeah. Yeah, I feel like it was part of his way of expressing himself. Like I like to imagine, like after the first breakup, he was still like, you know, he'd listen, he'd put on his sad playlist and have a good cry. Like he could probably still, like. 
he could still listen to music. Um, mm-hmm. Perhaps maybe not. He was struggling a little bit, maybe performing it, but he was still there. Whereas after that second one, I feel like his his life is probably completely devoid of any music whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. which, which probably scared the crap out of like his mom or Sam or yeah, because suddenly yeah. like because suddenly every like it's quiet and it's like Blaine's Blaine maybe like Blaine can be quiet, but like he's always exudes energy and he's always doing something and there's always music coming from his room or coming from his car and all of a sudden there's just nothing yeah so yeah and I think it's interesting I think that sometimes Blaine like as you said he he feels his emotions through music Um, but it is interesting (laughs) like in season 6 when Karofsky is like Mm -hmm. you know don't sing it just tell him and I think Blaine may sometimes have a hard time articulating how he feels without it and mm-hmm. and so he kind of sometimes uses it as a crutch, and I'm not saying that as a as a complaint or as a criticism, but um, that is Ooh, no, it's 100 percent true. It's the yeah. same way how when when Kurt's uncomfortable, he'll hide behind quips and sarcasm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, it's yeah. part of it's a it's the, a crutch as much as it is a personality piece. trait. Yeah, it's yeah. a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as we're talking about Blaine's career as a songwriter, I feel like that's probably as I think that he would struggle with it because like perhaps he like especially when you're an unsuccessful if you're an unsuccessful songwriter and you feel like you're putting so much of yourself into what you're writing like it feels like it's almost like a damning upon yourself because like i like blaine's like i'm putting my soul into this and people aren't liking it and you've kind of got to i feel like he's got to come there's a difference between you got to like try not either either not put too much of yourself into it or not find it too personal and i feel like he'll find a happy medium there Mm-hmm. And I hope they would find, yeah, yeah. But but I feel like that that he would. I'd like to think that there would be a little bit of struggle there because of his own songwriting and feeling like he's failing because people aren't liking it, given how much of himself he's putting into it. Exactly. Agree. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a task of you that I did for the Kurt stands. Um, it's a hard, hard thing to do, but I'm going to make you do it. In fact, I think it's actually going to be harder for you guys than it is for that was for them. Um, you guys, are, what are your favorite Blaine solo, Blaine duet and Blaine group number? Oh my God. You did this to me yesterday. I know. And I, it was in the email guys. It was. I know. So. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, but my favorite Blaine solo. Okay. going to go first. I'm going to go first just because I want to defend this one. Okay. Because I. When you guys did the best and the worst, and I mm-hmm. wrote it in, and you guys were like, what the hell? Why? My favorite Blaine solo, just as a special place in my heart, is I'm not going to teach your boyfriend how to dance with you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> I oh, wait, wh- love it. Why, why, Kay? I mean, I'm letting you have your platform. Why is that? It's fun. It's just an upbeat song. It's fun. I think it definitely shows you... It gives you the idea that Blaine's not just the top 40 guy, as Kurt would say. It's, and he just, the in it, watching that like nervous energy, the way that he took his nervous energy from being at the dance and put it into the performance. And it's just a catchy ass song. Yeah, All that's right. true. Cool. Are we each going to, are we each doing our favorite solos first and then? Um, or, do you want to do it that, that way or do you want to do know. it? One person has to answer all at once. Let's do the solo. Okay, so everybody pick their favorite solo, and then we'll go to duet and then group number. Uh, uh, let's right. 
if you need some help, um, if you like Google Blaine or Blaine, Blaine Anderson Glee Wiki, you it, it, it comes up a list at the bottom. No, okay. If we're gonna go purely on the number of times I've listened to it, it's probably gonna be Cough Syrup. Just because vocally it's one of my favorite pieces and I and I really enjoy I think the instrumental is really beautiful. And I think I've listened to it enough times now that I can sometimes remove it from the context. And I think I, I don't have any issue with the context, I think, in and of itself I'd, uh, in the show. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go, just vocally, I think I'm going to go with Fox Have you seen the live, per- have you seen him do it live, I think? Which um, one? On YouTube. Yeah, yeah which on- live performance, sorry. <laughs> which oh, one? Well, the one I saw was when he did his homework EP uh, show in L.A., um, I got to see that one, but yeah, he just seeing him do it live was just a whole other. It was a great experience. This is my sister's favorite playing solo, and she was actually with me when we went to the homework social. She got to see him do it live, oh, and uh, it's it's fun because it also removes the icky context from it. Yeah, that, yeah. that's what I, oh, I yeah, struggle yeah. with. There's, it's the context of it, it mm-hmm. um, but I think in terms of vocally and like the just. The performance, like just just the song itself, is so beautiful that, yeah. and I've listened to it so many times. I think that's why I've got to got to give it to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. For my soul, I would like. Uh, I think my favorite is actually a tie, but I'm going to go with um, somewhere only we know. Mm, um, that's a good one. Mm, yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah. Uh, that just kind of just the way that he sung it and stuff was just kind of it just. I, I really gravitated toward that, and it really you know, struck a chord with me. But And so I think that was my favorite of all the solos. I mean, Teenage Dream, for me, it's, of course, a, you know, probably tied up there because that was the first way we were introduced to him. But, um, yeah, so, somewhere only we know is my favorite. So. Also one with an absolutely amazing live performance. That one that he did. Yeah. That, so yeah. Just, you yes. know, and I, I've heard, were we talking about it last night when we said that Teenage Dream has almost become a Darren solo? Yeah. Like, yeah. Kind of like yeah, yeah. Where I, I hear the original version and, and, and the, you know, you go, oh, it doesn't sound right. But legitimately, it does not sound right to me anymore. No. I, me and my sister say that that song doesn't belong to Katy Perry anymore. No. Darren took it. Oh, no. yeah. I agree. Um, mine, I'm going to go, this might be a little weird, but um, I'm going to go with all of me. I just, oh, that's, that's a good one. Really, that's a good, it one. Is a good yeah. one. I was just really about beautiful. it. Too. Yeah. It's usually between that and it's time, but I'm going to say all of me just edges it oh, out just a little bit. Yeah, that was a good um, one. Yeah. Oh. All right. Favorite duets. Doesn't have to be with, this, to be with anybody. This, okay, now I got to go to the bland wiki. <laughs> I don't know if this counts as a duet. I'm going to count it because it's the closest I'm ever going to fucking get is Superstition <laughs> with Mercedes. Yeah. yeah. It's you the closest you count it. Yeah, it's the closest <laughs> I'm ever going to get of a duet between my two favorite characters. Yeah. <laughs> they, I remember when they announced it. At first they announced it as Mercedes and Blaine. And I was yeah, so and it was so exciting. I was so excited. And then they said, oh, also Marley. And then I was like back being on season four, episode one again. So I was like, fuck you, Marley. Even though I, at this point I loved her, but I was so upset. But I'm going to count yeah. this as a duet because Marley just does a couple of runs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Basically. Yep. Yep. When, when I count this as a duet, I, guess I, I think my favorite duet would be Heroes. 
That's yeah. definitely a duet. Actually, Absolutely. I was like looking at that. Yeah, that is. Yeah. I think because I really, you know, I really like, you know, the context of the, you know, the song and how they did it, and you know, the montage and everything. So, uh, so I think I would count that as my favorite duet. It's a really beautiful moment. Yeah. You know, it's yep. it's Blaine learning that he actually has a family in the glee mm-hmm. club and he has friends yep. and Kurt's not his only person, his anchor to McKinley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's why I love the song too. So but yeah. It's mm-hmm. a good one. Yep. Alright. Um yeah, I was actually looking because I pulled up the Spotify list. Uh, the first time I think I listened to Heroes, it was a weird time in my life. I'm pretty sure I like cried the first time. I don't know. But I, I was thinking of heroes, but like looking at all of these, I don't want to be the one that has to pick a clean duet because there's a part of me that looked at this list and went, oh my God, don't you want me? Is such a good song. Didn't you, that? you don't have to pick a clean duet. I'm picking a clean duet if that makes you feel better. <laughs> American boy is so good and so is somebody loves you. Yeah. Yeah, well, also just also just as an aside, um, I absolutely adore listening to old time rock and roll Danger Zone just because it's so. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I will go with "Don't You Want Me" because I love. Don't it. you want me? That's adorable. Um, yeah. I'm gonna go. You know, and I was looking through this list, and I think I almost like more of his solos than I like his duets, which I think is probably really weird. But anyway, um, uh, I'm gonna go with "Somebody Loves You." I just really oh, love that song. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, that's so fun. Yeah, yeah it it's, it's a yeah. great performance, too, because everyone's just having fun. Yeah. And it's not, like, fraught with any well, – I mean, it is kind of fraught with angst, but, like, not in a bad way. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, kind of, like, in a flirty way, kind of still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's that yeah. – it's, like, solidifying that they're friends again and that yeah. that comfort that comfort, comfort between them is back. That ease that they always had with each other. You can just see that that's returned. That awkwardness from the beginning of the season is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's such a good song. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It is. Is there a group number that he kind of like leads on that you guys are like, yes? Some nights. This one. No, no, some nights. The other one. Um, This is the new year. This is the new year. It's the best group number. That's all I have. That's it. Jumping, 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 jumping with Sam and Tina. Uh Jumping, jumping. Yeah, I love jumping, jumping. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see if there's. I was this is the new year was my pick too, but somehow I, I always listen to that song. It's so happy and triumphant. Mm. It is. Does that count as a group number? Jumping, jumping. Okay, because otherwise. Well, yeah, it's more I than two people, does. so yes, it does. <laughs> okay. Otherwise, what was your but otherwise? <laughs> Control from Hold On to 16. Oh, oh yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah, that was a good one, oh. too. Because yeah. I just, I love Janet Jackson. I love that song, and it's so good for his character. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yep. Um, if so. I had to go, do you guys count any of the Warblers songs as group songs? Oh, yeah. I oh. wondered about oh. that, because I really love Misery, but I didn't know. Yeah. I don't know how that. I don't know. I don't, I I always kind of like, counted them as solos, but you couldn't go because, like, if you want to make them group numbers, I would say razor. Uh, I always say it wrong. A razor glass. I would say razor. Yeah, glass. I like razor um, glass. The, the I always feel. I always put warbler performances in their own category. Yeah, almost. kind of. I agree. Um, but if not, this I just love this song, and it's such a stupid song, but I love it. Call me maybe. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can I tell yeah. you guys a true story? I have um, been really sure. proud of myself. I had managed to have never heard <laughs> Call Me Maybe or Gangnam Style. Never heard them. I've never and heard Gangnam Style. And yeah. then Glee did it. Oh, I was like, I managed to make it this long without hearing these songs. And then Glee, of course, they're the most popular songs of the of that time period. So, of course, they were going to end up on Glee. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Does anyone? All right, so, what are your favorite Warbler numbers? Because I think mine is Misery. Mine's Ra- Ra- Raise Your Class. Uh, let's see. What Warbler numbers? I need to Google. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, I need to Google. Go for it. Google them Warbler numbers. If you do um, Glee Wiki, Blaine mm-hmm. Anderson, or even Glee Wiki, the Warblers, it should come up. Yeah, Glee okay. presents the Warblers. Oh, okay. I'm having a look. All right. Let's see. And when I talk about Warblers, I'm talking about season two primarily. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, the, not the really. Warblers didn't really. Yeah, I didn't really gravitate towards it. So, what you're telling me is that you don't like Whistle? Whistle's iconic. Well, Blaine was an init. It doesn't count. Okay, I, 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 my favorite number. I mean, I, shout out to do don't you, do you think I'm sexy just because they never performed it on the show, but I do enjoy the I love version it. Yeah, of it. I love it. Um, but I'm probably going to go with Hey Soul Sister because I really like that song. Yep. Mm. And another song that doesn't sound right when I hear the original version. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Misery also doesn't sound right to me when I listen to even to the Warbler version because it doesn't have the part where they bang on the tables. Yeah. yeah, I have to watch <laughs> the performance. <laughs> I have a version that edited the table banging into it. I think, <laughs> she, can I, awesome. I'm going to say, what Connie's looking and thinking, I'm going to say about Misery, I think it is the most Blaine song ever because this is a very happy and peppy song about being miserable. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's by, and it's by Maroon 5. Yeah. We know yeah. Blaine yeah. has a thing yeah, about Adam Levine. <laughs> I always wanted Blaine and Kurt to sing Don't Feel Like Dancing by the Scissor Sisters for that very same reason. Because the lyrics are so miserable, but the song is like, I don't feel like dancing, but the song is a dance song. Uh, Yeah. yeah. It cracks me up. There's also, there's a song, oh gosh, it was um, So Happy Together, which is a song about being happy with your loved one, and it's in a minor key. It does the opposite. It sounds so sad. So depressing. By the Turtles, right? Yeah, Yeah, by the Turtles. Yeah, Yeah. I love that song, but you're right. It sounds really depressing. Yeah. Like, why does this song make you feel so bummed out? (laughs) You could have put it in a major key. It would have been fine. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I'm sorry. Connie, did you have your pick? Yeah, I think I have to go with Rage Your Glass because I just remember that performance and I I really enjoyed it. It was so... It was so fun for the, you know, it just seemed like a fun song to perform on stage for them. So You guys know that Baby Warbler is probably in middle school now? We talked about that. Oh, God. Oh, God. Jeez. Um... I wonder what happened to those super fans. Anyway, I shouldn't have brought that up. Oh, (laughs) look, there was that one that was like, I I always remember this. Uh, There was, um, (laughs) um, I named my car Quinn and then I crashed it and I was like, oh God. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) Also, talking about group numbers, can we just have a moment of silence for the group numbers that we never got? And that is specifically like the one that I feel like 
we've done and actually I'm, I'm not here for all those posts that are like oh my god glee would have done this and they would have fucked it up um they would have done shut up and dance with me by yes. Walk the moon yeah. and it would have been oh absolutely yeah. oh my god that would have been fantastic and i'm yeah. so right there with you it would have been amazing and blaine, and blaine would blaine would have gotten the the teenage dream line and it would have been packed. oh it, w- it would have been oh, a blaine yeah. and rachel duet with a oh. background it should have yeah. been, it would have been a group number yeah but they probably would have featured those two but i would have liked it if it had been a proper group number do you guys i always go back and watch the fan video that oh my god it's my and it makes me cry um that's uh it's, it's weathered so land um created it yeah. shout out to weathered land who um did that i don't that. know amazing. why but it makes me cry it's it's just, amazing because it's, like happy it's tears. yeah yeah it's, it's a, and it's we, like we it's got. not even it's so perfect because it's like perfectly edited and it, and it literally showcases everybody exactly so yeah. many fan videos that are supposed to be about the group you can tell when yeah, people don't like that. certain yeah and this would be mm-hmm. just the whole group the perfect syncing on the teenage dreamline yeah. like it was yeah. so good and like Absolutely. like the, the bit where they do like Rome, like you talk about juliet and it's like kurt and rachel and, doing the yeah sorry yeah mm-hmm. Juliet part and like you can tell that because it even features like Will and Emma and Sue dancing and most people wouldn't even bother putting them in there Yeah, you can yeah. just tell that the person who made that just really loved Glee yeah. or you know loved every aspect of it well yeah. except for season 6 well, it was so funny because Weatherland, Weatherland did somebody shout out to them I've been um, taking from they, they're one of the few people who have posted the they, they tag all their posts with the episode numbers so I can oh, easily bless. get access to it <laughs> Bless them. Um, but when I was getting to season six, she was like, you know, I don't like season six, right? And I said, yeah, I know. I will not probably take the negative ones that you post. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, but no, she she really seems to like the, the show. So oh, I'm good. glad for him. But, yeah. um, so kind of moving on. So I, the Blaine and family uh, and friends, and I kind of want to maybe – because we've talked a lot about this on the podcast, so I kind of wanted to distill some of the major themes out of it. Not necessarily get in the nitty gritty, because we will be here for another ten hours, and and yeah. I can't do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe we should just talk about what family means to Blaine and how, um, you know, we've talked about his family being probably possibly from a broken home or from, you know, just a different than the traditional quote-unquote type of family and how does that affect him going forward and and how does that in turn make him you know how does that affect him being a father himself so i think that blaine would want to be the most attentive parent yeah that he could be because i get the feeling that his parents were not attentive they weren't the ones that were like i feel like they kind of probably once cooper was old enough to drive it was Cooper taking Blaine to yeah. take Blaine to his soccer practice, take Blaine to his piano lesson. You know, it was probably Cooper at, you know, Blaine's little league games and things like that while his parents, you know, his mom's doing the Mary Kate thing and his God's, his dad's doing God knows what. And I feel like that would make Blaine kind of aspire to be the opposite of what his parents were and be there for every show, every musical every back to school night every teacher conference like he wasn't gonna miss any of it yeah makes sense yeah Mm -hmm. um we we talked i feel like we talked about something similar on the when on the like the blaine character arc podcast about how um 
we were sort of split on it because like there's part of there's part of you that wants to say like Blaine wouldn't wouldn't want to like be that the parent that you, as you were saying would always want to be there so wouldn't really as 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 ridiculous as it sounds but would never want to put a child into like daycare or whatever whereas Kurt would be but then I think I can't remember who it was raised the valid point that if Kurt's being raised by Bert in a family that doesn't necessarily have a lot of money I don't think Kurt would have ever been in daycare anyway so like you know it doesn't seem feasible that neither of them would want that so I'm just trying to like I can't remember who said it though so well and maybe it's because my sister is a, well she says child care because she says you don't take care of the day you take care of the child um that's where my sister teaches and so i think that you could definitely still be attentive and put your your kid in in there as a necessity it mm-hmm. just depends on the kind of program they're in mm-hmm. um but i so i could definitely see them doing that because they you know they they're busy but also maybe not the kind of, they wouldn't have a nanny. Like if they're, yeah, if they're going to say there's yeah. a difference between, you know, two working parents who drop their kids off at daycare for two hours after school because they are like, they have to go to daycare two hours after school because their parents work until five and school gets out at three and a rich person giving a nanny and you're never around them. I feel like, cause like, I, I just seems like, Sometimes My sister was like, looking for nanny jobs as like a side gig, and one of the ones that were advertised was like, you have to help them with their projects, you have to go to all their games, you have to buy their school clothes, mm-hmm. you have to take. And I was like, so what does this parent actually do? Doing, Nothing. Yeah. yeah. So there's a big difference, and I think that no matter whether they incorporate daycare or not, I think that both Kurt and Blaine will be. I mean, just you know, Kurt coming from a very loving home and Blaine coming from maybe, I, I'm also of the headcanon that maybe even if Blaine was a little bit, you know, distant and whatever, I don't think it was unloving either. I think that I don't his either. parents yeah, tried. Yeah. I don't either. I don't think that that fandom belief because of what he said in sexy, which again is just fandom lacking nuance. I yeah. think. And not but giving... it was also it was also fandom latching onto whatever they could get at the time. Yeah, exactly. I don't necessarily think that Blaine was like abused or had parents that. I mean, you could tell from the five seconds of the wedding that his mom just like adores him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I just think that they just weren't. They're not not everyone's Bert Hummel. Yeah. yeah. And it but doesn't I, make it Pam a bad parent if she's not. Exactly. Yeah. And this is off topic because I know it's about Kurt. But there seems to be this weird friend of belief that Kurt would have a hard time taking to being a parent. And I don't yeah, get yeah. where that comes from. Yeah, we talked about that on the Kurt once. He was like, no, he would be, you know, we said that like um, on multiple occasions, Kurt coming from a family where Bert is his father you know, has the setup to be a very wonderful and loving parent. Um, it just goes back to those roles that we see when yeah. people want to put in those yeah. boxes, like we were talking about earlier, where um, Blaine is the caregiver and Kurt is the moneymaker kind of thing, yeah. where it's like, no, yeah. you can be, you know, gray with it. You don't need to be like, like this box and this box. So, I feel like yeah. to the extent that, and again, this is about Kurt, to the extent that Kurt would struggle with perhaps being a good uh, a parent in that he'd be constantly comparing himself to his father. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably where he would struggle is not giving the, the, is not the love and attention that he gives to the child. It's themselves. It's, it's the way in which he then reflects upon his own 
comparing mm-hmm. and the fact that he might feel lacking when he compares himself to his own father. Yeah. And, um, and then Bert would have to give him that reality check, like, kid, I struggled. I had a hard time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I think, and I think that's something that I would hope that, that both of them would do would be, again, the, the whole thing about their entire relationship turned out to be about relationship. I'm sorry, communication issues. And I would yeah. hope that the two of them would freely converse about the ways in which, like, parenthood is, is wonderful and the ways in which they love it. But I would really hope that they would also really talk about their own struggles and a lot of it would be internalized and I don't think the kids would necessarily see any of it but Mm -hmm. the two of them would be working through a lot of their own shit I feel like Blaine might even might even verge on being a helicopter parent yeah Yeah. (laughs) well they both have control issues but yeah yeah. (laughs) he's the anxiety filled parent yeah. Like he's the one who's like wants to put like knee pads and elbow pads on the kids so they can go down a slide without getting hurt. Yeah. Then Kurt will be the one to be like, just let him go outside. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, let exactly. him eat dirt. <laughs> That's how he learns. That way he'll learn. You see Blaine with all the parenting books though. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys remember This is so off topic I don't know if you guys watch The Office But there's the episode where Pam is going to give birth And she's like five minutes apart And Jim's like There's this You know like We should have gone to the hospital the, You know Two to four minutes Two to four minutes Three minutes Two to four minutes As he's reading through these different things And it's all fine I don't know It just reminded me of that Anyway It's a funny bit Go watch that episode It's funny <laughs> Anyway um, I would re- be remiss If I did not bring up Cooper For just a half second um, how do you feel? How do you guys feel about the relationship moving forward with Cooper? Not, I mean, we talked a lot about how the past and growing up with Cooper, but moving forward, do you think that Cooper would be somebody that remains in his life? Do you think he'd be an uncle to the kid, um, et cetera, et cetera? What are you guys' thoughts on Cooper and I, Blaine's relationship? I like to believe that Cooper will try. Cooper's always yeah. going to be Cooper, yeah. but I like to believe that he would try. Speaking from experience, as an older sibling, you don't always realize the effect that your behavior has on your younger siblings. I know that I've had a couple of like come to Jesus moments where my siblings had told me stuff from when we were growing up that I didn't realize because I was a teenager mm. and I was in my own head and I didn't, you know, I didn't, yeah. wasn't thinking about them. And so you have to adjust and try not to repeat the same things. And I'd like to hope that Cooper would want to improve his relationship with Blaine. Yeah. And I think hilarity will ensue. When Uncle Cooper comes to visit. <laughs> oh, it'll be delightful. <laughs> Just to think you know? about it. The possibilities. Boy. <laughs> yeah. But I and think... That's, oh, that's, 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 sorry. I, I would think that where they left off uh, in the... Oh, gee, I can't... Forgive me, but I can't recall those specific um, episodes. But uh, I Connie's think, off the podcast. Can't remember it. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we love but, you, Connie. But yeah, but yeah, but I remember just when they when they just uh when they just um uh, when Cooper and Blaine kind of said they had the heart to heart and promised to uh, promised to like um kind of kind of mend their relationship a little bit. So I think, well, not a little bit, but they came to a kind of came to a understanding a mutual understanding so i think i would think well yeah granted that was only one episode but i i would like to think that they would take take whatever they established there and move forward so that blaine would like to have cooper in his life and be an uncle to his kids and things like that so 
At least least Sarah would like to think so. You guys know there was a phone call from Cooper after the wedding. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, mm. I love this idea of whirlwind Cooper. Like whenever Uncle Cooper comes along, it's an yeah. event. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like lightning's up the phone and he goes, "Cooper will be here in ten minutes." <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the only notice that they get. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then like whirlwind, and he comes in. He's there for three days, and then leaves, and then we're like, "Yeah, so that just happened." And like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's that, that, I could probably picture that happening. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And just the look on Kurt's face when 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 Cooper will be here in ten minutes, and Kurt's like, "Hide the valuables. He's gonna break them. Things are gonna get broken. Put the baby gates back up. Pile proof the house." <laughs> oh my god! And like you know, Cooper, but here's a bottle of wine for your four year old. You're like, oh. yeah. <laughs> Completely impractical gifts. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you know, Freud said it's important for them to start drinking as young as possible so that they don't get, so that they have a higher tolerance when they're older. Oh my God. Here's a Transformers toy from the movie I was in. Blaine, this is like a model. This is like little pieces. He's two. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is a choking hazard, Cooper. Oh, man. <coughs> Cooper's like, but you know the Heimlich maneuver. It's fine. <laughs> I acted it once on this TV show that I yeah, can do it. I played a doctor once. It's fine. <laughs> oh man. No. But like, but like, to be serious for a second, I feel like uh, I'm like, you know, Blaine and Cooper sort of they didn't repair their relationship, but they got onto the right track. What we saw yeah. in the show. I'd like to think that, especially after Finn passed away, yeah, oh, it wasn't yeah. necessarily that Kurt had to say anything to kind of encourage Blaine to reach out. <laughs> But I feel like I'd like to think that that was kind of an impetus for Blaine to like yes. at least try and connect more with his brother. And I feel like they wouldn't have been yet at that place during yeah. the wedding anyway. But mm-hmm. as time goes by, they kind of try and prepare their relationship. Yeah. I think there's a difference. And I, I can speak for myself because I have lots of siblings and Kay, I'm sure, feels the same way. Um, mm. That... There's a difference, though, too, when you get older and you're an adult and you have your siblings. And it's if you even if there's some like negative stuff in the past, sometimes you're able to kind of like just naturally grow out of it. And, yes, you know, absolutely. yeah, you're just you're in a different place than you, you, you know. I don't know. It's not as dramatic as when you were like 10 and 12 and all that. You can express yourself. You express yourself completely differently Mm -hmm. than you did when you were younger because you now can name the things, you know, things that would have had me and my sister screaming and slamming doors 15, 20 years ago. Now it's just an eye roll and I'll give her the finger and go in my room. And then like 15 (laughs) minutes later, it's like, you want to watch, you know, do you want to watch Buffy? Like, yeah, yeah, it's, you just don't fight over things like you used to because you're older and they're, they're trivial and there's more important things, you know. Or sometimes you do. I do think it's hilarious that I can see also like Blaine and Cooper getting into this like fight they have every time they get together over some stupid thing that happened when they were like kids about a toy mm-hmm. and Kurt's being like, I've had it. <laughs> like, or they, or you can't, we're not allowed to play Monopoly when Cooper's mm-hmm. over. Yes. Yeah. They, have the same, they fight over who's gonna be the freaking shoe. I'm having this fight in plain of six. Exactly. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. but I will say, as a 
as an older sibling with younger siblings who are arguably like more successful than me, I would feel like that might be something that Cooper would also struggle with because we talk a lot about how Blaine is perhaps going to become quite a successful performer. I feel like um, Cooper might struggle with that a little bit and so it might be a little bit hard for him to be with both Kurt and Blaine who are probably going to be successful performers. Oh yeah, as someone whose sibling has a has her dream job and absolutely loves her job and I have a job and <laughs> <laughs> it is sometimes a thing of like you're so happy that they're happy with their career but you're so not happy with yours and how yeah. do you balance that yeah. and yeah. not let it turn into resentment mm-hmm. and yeah. the question is, is will Cooper be mature enough to put that aside or not? Yeah, but, and I'd like to think that, especially when there are children around, that's called it sort of also like a, a Cooper doesn't seem like the kind of person who would necessarily, from what little we know of him, perhaps probably he's never going to become a father himself. And so, like, at least not intentionally. No, yeah, not intentionally. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe not without. Maybe he doesn't even know about it. I don't know. <laughs> but like, he's like, gonna be a baby daddy. <laughs> oh my god! You were just popped into my head, Kurt. He's gonna be here in ten minutes, and he has a child. <laughs> Because <laughs> like that's like did he did he did he did, kidnap a child? <laughs> the child's three Blaine, I know. He's like he's like is it his? <laughs> but like especially once there's children in the picture, I feel like that's like any any issues that Cooper or Blaine might have one another sort of become secondary to to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like any any kind of like you know friction that they still have with one another, they decide to kind of work through it for the sake of like making sure that their kids have relationships with all of the people in their lives. Unless for all those kids have will have, the, I mean, Cooper is very clearly a blood blood related uncle, but those kids, Colonel Blaine's kids, are going to have so many like random aunts and uncles. Like this is yeah. your auntie Rachel, this is your auntie Tina, this is yeah. Uncle Sam. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yep. oh, Actually, no, I got an even better one. I'm like, Kurt <laughs> gets off the phone and it's like, no, Blaine gets off the phone. Cooper's on his way. So is Sam. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Kurt, Kurt's like, I, I knew, where is the like, emergency bottle of wine that I've been hiding? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So, kind of move this conversation forward, though, um, to Blaine. The thing that we talked about on Kurt's side that I thought it'd be interesting to kind of mirror over here. We talked a lot about Kurt's growth from a child to adult. Um, and do we think that Blaine kind of had the same arc? I mean, does he have a complete arc? Do we see him grow up? How does he differ from the beginning of the series to the end of the series? Well, first he was 16 and then he was 16. <laughs> then he was, then yeah. he was 16 he again. Buttoned. He Benjamin buttoned. He went backwards. He went backwards, yeah. yeah. I well, guess you could. Uh, I think it's the same time. I mean, I don't know if I just think that he has the same kind of growing up arc that Kurt does. I just think that like it's it's just not a focus in the same way. I think yeah. Blaine's relationships become more focused. I do think he becomes an adult by the end of it, but it's it's. I feel like Blaine was. Uh, I don't know. I, I think the difference well, is that when Glee started, Chris was 18, but he looked 11. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so we physically watched a human being 
grow into an adult. Like, we physically saw him grow from a baby-faced kid to this man. And we... And so that... That's going to affect the trajectory of the story, even if it's not implicitly written into it. Whereas with all the other characters, they were all, all of the actors were older. And so you're not seeing the same growth because you're not watching them mature from teenagers into grown adults. You're not watching them go from 18 to almost 30 in this case. Right. I think there's an interesting, oh, sorry, go ahead, Connie. I don't want to cut you off. Sorry. But, um, I was just about to say, I think there was growth, but not from child to adult. I think there was growth in that, I guess you could say Benjamin Button, but if you like, if you think about it, when we were first introduced to Blaine, he was just like this charismatic, you know, put together every, you know, knight in shining armor kind of person, you know, for that Kurt kid, 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 you know, Kurt kid to identify with. And everything, and everything, he, he acted, like, so put together and everything, but as t- as the seasons grew on, grew on we, could, we could see that he had vulnerabilities and flaws and everything, and that he wasn't this put-together person, you know, that we were first introduced to. So I think he grew as a character that way in terms of showing different sides of himself, I guess, or the, at least the... And being comfortable in his skin, I think. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. the oh, I think- story was about that. Yeah. I mean, we, we joke a lot about Flane becoming a real boy, but I do think there's an interesting yeah. arc, and they're not necessarily, as Connie says, from a child to adult, but from, you know, it's almost like a dip where he, he comes and he, he's like this one, like, you know, supposedly this mature, like, young man who's trying yeah. to, but then we kind of develop and see him as, you know, as the seasons three and four, he becomes a little bit more childish, and I don't say that in a bad way. Um, I say that in a, like, he's more developed. We get to see how young he really is. Yeah. And then he grows out of, from that, and he just matures into being the adult that he is, if that makes any sense. It does. I agree. Yep. It's just like, you get to see his vulnerabilities and stuff. Yeah. yeah. If anything, if anything, he kind of develops as a character from a, from the, it's almost like we see it from Kurt's perspective in that he, we initially see this perfect Mm, human, and then we surely, but surely realize that he's very much a flawed as everyone is allowed to be he's very flawed and exactly. he's got quirks yep um and i like think- seeing i i think that in maybe this is just me fan linking it away i think that a lot of people had trouble with the idea that blaine wasn't the mentor put together person that he was in season two but I could always imagine that maybe that was a persona that he put on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh he, yeah. When yeah. he gets to McKinley, we get to see that he has all these insecurities and anxieties, and that that was a cover for that because he wasn't comfortable enough at Dalton to to show that he had these insecurities and yeah. quirks. Yeah, because we have to remember the whole point of Glee Club and. McKinley Killing was that it was a place where you could be safe and be yourself. So yeah. it makes sense that Blaine would get there and then we'd find out that he's just, just as quirky and strange as everyone else in the Glee Club. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Except I exactly. didn't necessarily welcome him very warmly, but that's just an aside. Yeah. <laughs> Izzy, <laughs> I love you because every time, like, and then this fan thing got in another way, but that's okay because we <laughs> yeah. still love Blaine. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean she's that not in a wrong. very. I, I mean that in a very loving way. But I just hope yeah. you yeah. Okay. She's not wrong. She's, she's not, not wrong. Yeah. I just love it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> um, I I enjoy it. It's fine. Okay. If I, I was very well aware of this part of myself, it's okay. I mean, yeah. fandom welcomed him as about as well as Finn did. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. If, Izzy, if I was down there in Australia, I would be hugging you right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thank man. you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I and it's interesting because I think other than maybe his views on romance, which we'll get to in a second, because I do think Blaine was just as, you know, wanting this fairy tale stuff as much as Kurt. Yeah. I think that Blaine more is one of the characters who his personality and his resolve doesn't change a whole lot. And that's fine. Like he is still, he is the same kind of person throughout. If that makes any sense. Like he doesn't have any huge revelations. He doesn't grow hugely as a person, but I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, I think that, you know, he is who he is and he pretty much is that, uh, through the whole show. Agreed. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. That does make sense. Okay, cool. So let's talk about Blaine and romance. Um, deep question for Wait, you. Wait, did we talk about Blaine and friends? Oh, we can. I think we we skipped over that a little bit, but we can go back and talk about that for a second. Yeah, go ahead. What do you want to say, Gay? <laughs> I'm <laughs> happy that Blaine miss, has friends. I miss Sam in season six, everybody. I, I really do. I yeah. really, really do. Sam. Yeah. I did. I I think the I think I mean what really blossomed for me was in season four. You know, I I know that there's a lot of there's a lot of back and forth about the new new directions, but that's the one that we actually got to see Blaine without you know without her and you know making his you know making his own friends and you know with um, Sam, for, you know first and then with. Harley and with everybody and really identifying with that group. So and he really took his position as the new Rachel very seriously. Yeah. <laughs> you know when he so, called that meeting after Mr. Shu was so mean to them. Yeah. Yeah. God. When when Shu had the nerve to call to tell Blaine off after he'd been off for however many weeks and Blaine yeah. was basically running the Glee Club. Yeah. Right? Like, How dare right. you? Yeah. Right? I was just like, I hate you, yeah. Schuster. <laughs> she was just jealous of Blaine, Je- let's be real. Yeah. Because they would listen to Blaine and they would listen to Finn, but they did not care about Mr. Shu. <laughs> yeah. No. But, As one should. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then when they got back into season five and six, I'm like, I kind of missed that 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 French that focus on friendship. I mean, you didn't see that much of uh, Blaine and Sam anymore mm-hmm. together as friends, and they were kind of just pushed to the back aside in favor of the relationship stuff again. Well, if you had just started watching Glee in season six, you wouldn't have even known that Blaine and Sam were friends. Sam. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah. Season six wanted to reset to season two dynamics. Yeah. Um, and and so that meant isolating Blaine. But isolating after you Blaine spent, adult, after yeah. spent so much time building him up and all of his friendships, especially the ones that existed outside of Kurt, I don't understand why then 
like isolating I mean, him again. I mean, I get thematically why you'd isolate him again, but it just doesn't make sense that that would happen again. No, I, I mean, like, I understand the writers in their writers not understanding that the show has it. changed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand the writers what their intentions were, but it doesn't mean that it's organically stemming from what came yeah. before it. Yeah. Because honestly, like Blaine and Sam, especially in in season four, it came like I know it's Blaine, Sam, and T- Tina specifically, but like their friendship is literally what makes season four like my favorite season. Exactly. It's just watching that develop, and it just happens. I mean, especially Blaine and Sam, it sort of just happens. I don't know, organically. I don't know whether it's the right word, but it happened. It happens at the right time, and then you just have these stretch of episodes that are not as focused on romance and focused on friendship. And I am just so about that. I think and Glee they're some of the best episodes. I yeah, think. yeah, some I, of the funniest. I think Glee in general had this issue where. It didn't really, um, it didn't do friendships well in that, like, it just, like, relationships always took the, you know, relationships and competition drama always seem to take precedence over friendships, which I think in general across the board, I think friendships just kind of got, like, pushed aside. And I think it's, like, or, or you can only have one friend at a time, or you can, you know... <laughs> And I, I think it's unfortunate because I think a lot of these characters, I think Blaine is probably possibly one of the friendliest characters. I can't mm-hmm. imagine Blaine not being in contact with even like Quinn. I mean, like, yeah. even though they never shared any screen time, Blaine's still going to send a Christmas card to Quinn. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, Blaine's the person that has like an email list and is, well, if he doesn't hear from you for a few months, he's going to text mm-hmm. you and be like, hey, how's it going? Are you okay? If yeah. he hear, if he sees on Facebook that like you've been sick, he's gonna mess. He's gonna comment on your Facebook and be like, "Get well soon." Like he's very yeah. that person. He's probably the one that has like you know how like I don't know if it's still a thing, but Facebook had a limit. You can only have five thousand friends. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> would have maxed. Really, that. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, back in the day, I don't know if that's changed, I but that's, um, yeah. But when I was in college, right as as um, Facebook was becoming a huge thing, there was a friend limit that like you can only have so many yeah. friends. Yeah, is that weird? I'd, I'd like to think that Blaine would have learned his lesson about having too many friends on Facebook, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I can also I, see, like with Elliot, I can almost see him being very frustrated if somebody doesn't like him. Like, mm-hmm. why? Why, Kurt? Why does he not like me? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Well, you're not friends. Why not? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kurt, your sec- your assistant hasn't answered my friend request. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's kind of an airhead, and it's fine. <laughs> like you know, but she's whatever. your assistant. She was at our house for dinner. How come she hasn't answered my friend request yet? <gasps> she doesn't have internet. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and Kurt's just like Blaine. Maybe she hasn't checked her Facebook in a couple of days yeah. or years. Like I know some people <laughs> don't ever check it. I know. <laughs> Oh man, so but yeah, but, I can see Blaine having multiple group chats. Like he's got the group chat with like the old new directions, and a group chat with the new new directions, and a group yeah. chat with the new 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 new, new directions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, the thing that I think is really super healthy about Kurt and Blaine's relationship is that I don't think that any point that I can tell in the past and going into the future where they've isolated themselves off. To yeah. the point where they aren't friends with the, you know, their friends. Um, yeah, because a, a lot of bit... couples do that crap. Exactly. I, I know Ben and Rachel being that couple. 
Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I know that there was a little bit of that kind of thematic stuff back when, uh, with Kurt and Mercedes, back when he met Blaine. But I feel like as an adult, um, they're pretty much like, you know, hey, Cam, uh, like Blaine's like, hey, Sam and Arnie and I are going to go camping for four days. And Kurt's like, bye. <laughs> I get the house to myself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know, yep. stuff like that. And I think that friendship is important to both of them that I think that, you know, they yeah. don't have to do everything together. There's yeah. always, mm-hmm. and that's one of the nice things about the friendship thing that happened because Blaine, one of the reasons why he was holding on so tightly to Kurt is, and part of this mm-hmm. was a writing issue, um, yeah. mm-hmm. that he didn't have anybody else. He didn't have friends. And Blaine is a very social person. So to not have that Let me tell like, you guys. network. I relate to Blaine so hard. So basically these last few weeks, the reason why it was so hard to schedule this in the first place, I went from disability and then I went back to work. So it was like a three week period where I had no income. So I had no phone and no internet. Oh no. I was miserable because the only people I contact with were my coworkers and my sister. It was miserable. So I could definitely imagine Blaine being that person. He, mm-hmm. He's an extrovert. Like, Rachel needs applause to live. I think Blaine needs out. He needs contact with people. And I also yeah. like the idea of Kurt having interests that Blaine's not interested in. So those are things that he could do with Mercedes or with Rachel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Blaine, you know, he loves Marvel. He loves his comic books and Star Wars and things like that. And that's something that he can do with Artie or with Sam and, you know, not have to. And I mean, sure, he would love it if Kurt would go with him to like the midnight opening of the next Marvel movie. Hey, Kurt goes because those men are beautiful. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like Kurt was totally there to see Kurt saw the trailer for Black Panther and was like, so when does this come out? (laughs) (laughs) And be like, um... You want to go see Black Panther with me? And Kurt has to be... And Blade's like, okay, 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 okay. That means, you also like, have, that means you also have to watch the Captain America Civil War, but that also means you have to watch Captain America the Winter Soldier and Captain America the First <laughs> Avenger and probably Avengers as well. And then maybe also the first Iron Man movie. The second one you can miss, but we should probably watch that because that's where Black um the Black Widow is introduced. And then it's just like, Kurt's like, what did I do? And Kurt's like, you know what? I'll just go with Mercedes. It's fine. <laughs> Oh my god. Could you imagine though them coming out of Endgame and Artie and, and Sam and Blaine are like oh my god, you this part and this part and Kurt, what did you think? And he's just like I'm distraught about Thor. Yeah, I can't believe I made <laughs> Why is he fat in this movie? What did you do to him? Fix him. Put him back. And they're like, and they made Captain America old? Like, what was up with that? <laughs> And T'Challa was hardly in this one. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. There are no shirtless scenes in this. Why? <laughs> I don't think there are. Oh my gosh. Anyway. Um, anyway. Um, so yeah, that's what I feel about Blade and Friendship. <laughs> I will say, I, I mean, there's a lot of issues this season six. This is even a season five issue. One of the worst things they could have ever done was make Sam hate New York. And I understand why he did. And then that also meant that also meant that it was inevitably always going to separate Blaine and Sam. I mean I guess it was because they needed him to fill Finn's role as well. Yeah, yeah that was I know, awesome. but I mean that in a I'm really sad because I know how close mm-hmm. Blaine yeah. and Sam were and it makes me really sad to know that they 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 will obviously be frequently in contact with one another, but they won't see one another that often. 
Well, exactly. I guess yeah. I'm just coming from the other side where I'm really appreciative because they were they have such a freaking hard on for New York, which and I love New York, but like yeah. it's important to show that it's okay to live in your small town and yeah. to not have any characters do that, I think would be disingenuous. So I appreciate it on a storytelling telling level. But yeah, as a fan, it's sad that Blaine and, and Sam don't get to be best buddies all the time everywhere. Yeah. Glee uh, does like, act like New York's the only city in the world. It really does. Yeah. It's kind of annoying. <laughs> as an LA resident, I resent it. Oh, I'm mm. sorry. Some people move here too. We have yeah. beaches and stuff. <laughs> We have Disneyland. <laughs> I'm just gonna title this. K welcomes you to LA. We have Disneyland and beaches. Yeah. Yeah. Look, nobody, nobody ever wants to come to Australia, so whatever. I do. You know? I just, you know, I looked it up. I looked it up because Mel has been bugging me about it, and it's a one-way ticket for two thousand dollars. So if you can give me two thousand dollars. And four thousand to do round trip. I will come visit you. Someone has I'm to tell saying. me the truth about the spiders in Australia because that's really <laughs> what's holding me back. It's Look, they don't—they're not that. They don't actually like unless you're living somewhere fairly rural, you're not going to see that many spiders. Okay, because I saw a photo where the <laughs> grass had a spider web on top of it and it looked like a sheet. And I was just that, like, oh, so that, I can't go there. That's rural. That'd be rural. Okay. Like, I don't have sheep in my backyard. <laughs> and then the, there was a picture of a huge spider inside someone's house. And I was like, oh, so I can never go there. Because the spiders are the size you of, not, of cats. Oh, have spiders in L.A.? Did they get rid of them? Yeah, they're not that not. big. <laughs> I mean, they're not that huge here either. But, we, I mean... I don't know. Anyway, back to Blaine. Um, so moving forward to, I do have a very important question about Blaine. Um, is he good at romance? Uh, He's better than he thinks he is. Yeah. yeah. And initially, when we first meet him, no. Because, <laughs> Connie, I love you. Connie's going to tell it like it is. Come on. The whole thing with Jeremiah, I mean, really... I mean, I mean, that that for some that 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 would just that would just gone bad right away. So he thinks he, I mean, he he admits he wasn't good at romance. I mean, to Kurt when he was, you know, when they talked later. But that that initial perception of you know being very showy and all that, you know, the whole thing at the gap is just like no, <laughs> uh, that that was a huge fail. So, not at first, but I think he learned about romance as he went on. You know what I think about Blaine, going off of what Connie said, I think that once he gets older, let's say, and I'm just going to do a hypothetical here, let's say Kurt was not around, okay? And after he gets through his awkward teenage years, I think Blaine is one of those guys that would, whatever boyfriend he's with, with, would be able to, and this is kind of a uh, pro and a con, he would be able to know exactly what makes that person, like, melt and exactly what, um, like, what would that person really wants out of romance. He'd be able to try and supply that. At the same time, sometimes I think he loses himself a little bit in it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I do think that he would be the type of person to be like, you know, as an adult, you're like, yeah. okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the romance on. This is exactly yeah. what my partner wants. I, I'm think, gonna do this. I agree, yeah. 
I agree. I agree. So. And I do think that's going to work. That that's going to be, you know, it's not going to be hard for him nope. in, the, in the marriage to kind of keep romance going. Like, right. I don't see them as, like, they probably will have a slump when they have kids just because they're freaking exhausted. Mm-hmm. But I also don't see them being that couple who doesn't make time for, like, date night. And, well, yeah. Kurt's going to schedule it, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah, but yeah, I don't I see just, the romance dying for them. Yeah, no, I, I don't either. So. I, I think. I really hope not, because I feel like they would both, like, after that point as well, they would both know one another exactly what what to do or how to surprise one another. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. I mean, Blaine made a promise to always surprise Kurt. So, you uh-huh. know, he's going to yeah. do that. Yep. Yep. I just, yeah, I think. Like, hmm. he made a bloody ring out of gum wrappers. <laughs> <laughs> like... But I think, but that's the thing is that that's Blaine's way of romance, and I think the way in which Kurt would then reciprocate that would be for Blaine to find out that Kurt never threw that or like got rid of that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, like, well, we see that in the locker that he put for mm-hmm. you know the mm-hmm. the the. the I have a head cannon that Kurt's gonna get a box of that stuff, and like he's gonna get a box from UPS one day, and it's gonna be all the stuff from that locker. And yeah. it's going to be a no for shoe. Like, sorry, we have more kids that we mm. need at the locker. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, if, Sue did, if Sue didn't steal it first. Exactly. That's true. For yeah. her, her, her second hurt locker. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, I mean, I it's. It, let me ask you guys about this. Because I've always heard this as a... Criticism um, from you guys And how do you guys reconcile it And how do you feel about it That like when talking about Blaine and Kurt A lot of times it, people feel like it's one-sided towards Blaine Like Blaine does all this stuff for Kurt And Kurt doesn't mm. do anything for Blaine um, And et cetera, et cetera. How do you feel about that at a t- at, There was a time where I felt that way mm. um, I did yeah. But yeah I do think that the show I think season 6 helped a lot Yeah, yeah. Think so too. In in showing that Kurt could be demonstrative, and mm-hmm. that Kurt really did feel the same way, but there was a period of time where it did feel uneven, and it yep. did kind of feel like they were careening towards a misunderstanding, and that yeah. maybe Blaine was a little more invested. Well, not invested. Maybe that Blaine was just more demonstrative, and. You know, there's that Britney Spears song, Don't Let Me Be the Last to Know, where she says, where she basically says, like, I need you to show me and tell me yeah. how you feel. And that's, like, very much Blaine. And yeah. we needed to see Kurt do those things. Yeah. But just, you know, it's a visual medium. We need it to be, you know, show, yeah. don't tell. And, and no, I, I feel like part of that was also because there was, I mean, I'm, I don't want to get into this again. But it, it's sort of like... <laughs> well, I opened um, a can of worms, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, where, like, it always seemed like... For a period of time, at least, it seemed like whenever Blaine did something wrong, he was always going to be the one to... Or not Blaine did something. But something went wrong in the relationship. Blaine mm-hmm. was always going to be the one to apologize and try and make it better. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, yeah. and that's not healthy, and it was never going to work. Yeah. And, and a lot of that stemmed from the fact that, I mean, to this day, I don't care... 
Blaine, yes, you cheat. Blaine cheated, sure, but Kurt had to take some responsibility for the reason why he did. Yeah. And that is the hill that I will die on. That Agreed. That also, end. the situation with Chandler, because even when yes, when Kurt saying I have nothing, the song was still very much like not an admitted. Like there was no like acknowledgement I'm of wrongdoing. Yeah, it was yeah, like I, well, I you well. Even yeah, it gets to the point where Blaine's like, "Well, I did text Sebastian." I was like, "But that's not the point," mm. because that's- that was never. It was never like you were getting compliments and like wanting those compliments or feeling good about those compliments. It was different, mm. and it just it also fed the fandom monster that mm. was also saying that Blaine was the problem in the relationship. And yeah. so there were times where we needed to see Kurt take accountability for the role that he was playing and some of the issues that they had. Mm-hmm. And I'm not... Oh, no, I was just going to say I'm not going to disagree that the writers should have done more, um, especially around the season four breakup kind of stuff. Um, I do think season six fixed a lot for me personally. Mm-hmm. I, I do like that Blaine... To me also, I like that Blaine in season six um, is not... This like lovey dovey. I need to marry Kurt to fix this kind of. He's like, nope. I'm gonna be sassy. I'm gonna be plain. I'm gonna be, um, you know, I, I'm I'm still have feelings for you, but I'm not gonna stop being me. And I feel like yeah. that's where Blaine. I feel like loses himself sometimes in his relationship, and the fact that he has had become his own individual person by the end of it is something to me that is like okay. And then they can be two individual people, and then. They they find that balance that they didn't have before, and then yeah, Kurt yeah. has to deal with the fact that he basically fucked up himself. So yeah, um, I know I'm sorry that you never got an explicit apology, but I do. It's for me the whole thing works, but I do understand that like from a writing point of view, they have missed a few steps along the way. Yeah, mm. and like and I know people will disagree, and this is still something that is, and I know Pam, you specifically do disagree, and that's fine. But I personally, especially watching some of the stuff, especially in season five, where it feels like Darren is giving like 100% in every scene that he's in. And I don't think Chris is giving him the same back. I don't know. Other people read these things differently and that's fine. But personally, when I watch these things and I see this and that's just that just adds fuel to my Blaine is giving more to this relationship than Kurt. And like, I don't understand. Like, sometimes I would watch episodes and I would like just kind of cringe a little bit because it just felt so uneven and um and then season six did a lot to fix that mm-hmm. and, and make it feel a little bit more even but there are parts of season five that i just find really difficult to watch no i get it i get that te- the one even the tested scene yeah tested yeah tested that is still such a sore spot yeah. tested that last scene kurt could have softened up a little bit and the they, they, i think it would have been a little bit and I kind of blame direction a lot for this. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's the that they could have shot that they chose when, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, I, I think that they needed to have Kurt be a little bit softer with Blank because mm-hmm. he usually, I mean, even in New York, he was softer. Yeah. Um, yeah. In that last final moment. And they never did. And I, I think that personally, like if I was a director of the scene, even if I knew where it was going, I'd be like, you know, another one is the, um, and the untitled Rachel Berry project. Like if I was going to redirect that scene where they're sitting on the porch 
Mm -hmm. um, after you have like Kurt say, I promise to trust you. Then you have Kurt lean in and kiss him right on the steps. You don't have Mm -hmm. to stand up and then be like, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. It was like, they wanted to fit a comedic beat in there, but it's just so off putting and changes the tone of the scene. Yeah. Especially after having Kurt so angry that he throws the lunch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have, and this is like me being like, this is, I don't even consider myself that deep into like film analysis on a structural level, but uh, I'm like, oh my God, this is just a bad, this is where Glee's shortcoming as storytellers really kind of like stand out to people that are fans. Cause then I go to other shows or I go to other movies and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, this is working for me. Wow. They actually know how to do an entire arc and do it right. And exactly. Yeah. It becomes the Glee's hiccups become more pronounced. Yeah. um, Especially when you're fighting this fandom war and this, you know, so I get it. I mean, that doesn't help. And like in terms of a way to tell even a story that feels like more even and it's just a good parallel moment would be to have Kurt be the one to make the big flowery speech. And no, that speech at, in at the start of the wedding episode doesn't count. Like, let Kurt be the one to say all those things that Blaine is saying. Because Blaine yeah. deserves that too. But Kurt isn't somebody who does that. I know, so but I in that like, moment, I felt like yeah. he no, I agree. to make the effort. Yeah. I but agree I think that, that makes it more romantic. I think that makes it more romantic and more of a big deal because it's like, this is not his norm and he's going out of his comfort zone to show this person that he loves him. So he's going to do something that he wouldn't normally do for anyone else Yeah, is why I wanted to see it. But I also, you know, I had made a decision that I was just going to try to accept whatever season six gave us because it was the last one. And the previous three seasons had been so fraught and stressful. So I was like, it's the last one. I just want to have fun. So I learned to let a lot of stuff Go. I yeah, think the other thing I wanted. The other thing that I kind of take away from the end of Glee is that you know they're happy together. They seem yeah. both seem genuinely happy, and the very small amount that we get because we really don't get a lot. Um, they seem happy, and I think that grounded, and I think that being married suits both of them, and yeah. and I think that Blaine feels secure in his marriage. That that these balance issues and even these communication issues aren't as troublesome for them because they have this reassurance and this ring around their finger that they've got each other's backs and I feel like I guess I can get rid of some of these hiccups or just overlook them even though I have my issues too I mean I'm pretty sure I ranted a lot of the wedding episode stuff um (laughs) uh, so go ahead Connie what were you gonna say I I was thinking yeah I I, I feel like they're gonna be secure in their marriage Uh, in the long run, because they've been through so much. I mean, they've been through, like, uh, all that tension and fraud, and they've split up and come back together twice. And sometimes those are the, sometimes you have to work through that and stuff, and so you really know, you know, when you're the most vulnerable, what the other's flaws are, and something that you can work on. I mean, they understand that neither of them are going to be perfect, but they can work toward understanding each other. Coming to uh, coming to, they know what pushes each other buttons and how, and how to reassure each other. So they've been through kind of the fire. So they mm-hmm. so that that ultimately makes a, I think that ultimately makes a the relationship and marriage 
uh, stronger in the long run. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I would like to think that at least. <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends. I mean, because I I know I had a couple friends right at school. You was ending. They were they're like, oh well, Kurt and Blaine don't just don't work for me. And I'm like, you know, they're fictional characters. They yeah. Don't, I mean, it's like. At the end of the day, I feel like however you want to interpret it is the right way to interpret it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and and that doesn't mean is your that your feelings are invalid at all. I, I mean, I totally understand and and that you know I do think agree that the show should have done more yeah. in a lot of instances. So but that's the thing yeah. is that I feel like Blaine had a certain way in which he would kind of perform romance, and mm-hmm. in my mind, he never got much back in terms of the kind of romance that I personally thought that he did that he spent so much time giving romance like showing other people how he felt about them and in my mind he didn't he didn't get the same back but that's just a personal thing well let me phrase it this way and I'm not trying to change your mind in this question no, at no, all I'm just fine. curious no, no. like um do you feel that Blaine needed that same type of back or is that what you needed as a fan because you enjoy the type of stuff that Blaine presents because I'm just coming as a a Kurt fan I I guess I don't need the same type of things so some of the like love and support that Kurt is constantly giving to Blaine feels like that I'm like there it is like Blaine Kurt is like are you okay all the time are you you know he does after Blaine says you know you weren't there Kurt in season five calls him throughout um, and and just to me, I'm like, oh, because that that is the little things that for me make sense. But that's because I relate to Kurt more. Um, mm-hmm. I, and sometimes we I, like even me, I'm I'm saying like we lose focus on okay, well, is this a like do the characters actually make sense or is this how I'm just projecting it? It's probably a bit of both. I'll really it's probably okay. a bit of projecting, but also like as somebody who watched the show and saw how Blaine struggled, like he that person that needed that kind of like reassurance mm-hmm. maybe it didn't need to be quite as performative as the way that Blaine did it but mm-hmm. you know you see in my mind he like and maybe as he gets older and especially after they've gotten married they probably don't need it quite as much and I realize that Kurt's not really a bit much about public displays this kind of stuff which then makes it harder to do in a show which is set mm-hmm. in public space but, you know, I, just in my mind, it felt like I needed something. And I feel like we didn't get much. No. I, I mean, and yeah, I'm definitely not disagreeing with you on that part of it at all. So, yeah. But yeah, I also, part of it's probably projecting. And part of it also just, again, being mad and sad and knowing how fandom treated Blaine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't fair. At the end of the line, yeah. like, at the end of the day, that the way they... Uh, Oh, fandom and their politics and their their just yeah. better boyfriend Olympics was irritating Ugh. all the way around. So oh I yeah, think, that drove me up yeah. the wall. So yeah. So, so yeah, I hope yeah, Izzy, I hope we're, we're like I didn't mean to like like no, not at all. Okay. No, I I all think right. you're. I never thought of it that way. I think you're like let's be real. Most of it is probably just me projecting, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm not saying you're wrong at all. So like yeah. I just you know I like the it's a good it's a good conversation, um, yeah. and so that's why we're having these conversations. So cool. Okay, so kind of going on. This is kind of something I I came up with Kurt because Kurt is usually so the mouthpiece for the show a lot. But Blaine in the fourth wall, because Glee is like this this show that just decides to not have a fourth wall all the time. So um, 
what, like, did Blaine have a specific purpose on the role? Did he grow beyond that? Does he is he a character with a message, or was he always integrated in this and never really breaking that fourth wall? I, I was having a hard time thinking about times where Blaine specifically kind of stepped outside the narrative, and I don't know. I don't think that he did really. Mm. Yeah. There was a great gift set at one point that showed, like, he was, for a while at least, he was sort of like the straight man in the, mm-hmm. the straight man mm-hmm. in, in inverted comma, in the, like, the, the everything zany's going on around him, and he's just sort of like, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, well, how he then I, to sue, or how he's, yeah. like, when he first comes into new directions, and then he gets kind of integrated yeah. into the craziness. Yeah. When you ask Emma in the therapy session, what did yeah. you ask her? Like, is that... Are you trained for that or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, are you, are you, tra- yeah, it's something like, are you trained to do this? And she's like, that's not important. <laughs> or when they were, when Sue wanted them to do the welding at Nationals, and was like, is this legal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then when Pat, yeah, when Pat gives them all like the, why does mine say drink till she's cute? Or like, and he just pulls this like face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he's a good at being the straight man, at being the like person that's going to call out the nonsense that is going on around him. And it's funny that every once in a while he gets sucked into it because, when, yeah. like, you know, I'm thinking about the show choir blogs. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And Kitty's like, who even does that? And, you know, I do. Um, <laughs> but um, now, okay, so this may, may be a kind of a weird thing that I wrote, but let me try and explain why I did it. It says, was Blaine a hated or beloved character? Yeah. A controversial <laughs> conversation. Oh the reason God. I put it, the reason I put it is because I don't think the show hated Blaine as much as sometimes people think. I think that a lot of stuff came from outside, but I think Blaine was really, like, especially early on, all that, like, Sue never had anything bad to say about Blaine. And in, um, I don't, with Kay, was it, you're, somebody had a theory that it wasn't until, like, he cheated on Kurt that Sue would, like, have any issues with oh, him. Oh, that was definitely and, not me. But oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Because yeah. um, then everyone was like, Sue's punishing him for cheating on Kurt. And I'm like, I don't think Sue gives a shit that yeah, much. I was like, I don't think she does. But, she um, but I... I don't know, it, like, and it wasn't until later that anything that might have been written badly about Blaine um, was kind of coming from the writers pulling outside stuff. But for the most part, I feel like the show actually liked Blaine quite a bit, and and really a lot of the dislike of the character was coming from these outside sources. Mm. I mean, when you compare it to like the stuff that Quinn had to go through, and a lot of these other characters went through. Um, I think it's a question of did Ryan Murphy like Darren? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> because I think that the reason why Quinn's character went through so much stuff is because they think there was a beef. There was like beef there. Like they had personal issues between them. At least that's what I heard. I yeah. think that the writers like Darren, and so yeah. they therefore gave Darren, you know, things they wanted, or, or gave Darren fun things to do, or. You know, oh, we like Darren, and Darren likes Cord, so let's give, let's make Sam and Blaine really good friends. You know, things like that. I think that comes into it. I think that Glee was one of those shows where you could really tell who the writers favored. Preferred, yeah. I think also part of it was that, at least in the beginning especially, they didn't even know what they were going to do with Blaine. 
Yeah. And so we, and everyone, part of the reason why so many people disliked him, and we joke about um, like jukebox Blaine, but like really mm-hmm. people disliked the fact that Blaine came along and he had all of these solo numbers where like my fave had none and we're busy fighting over the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was because. Oh, yeah, it's just because at the time they just didn't know what they were going to do with him. I know, and, and, it's, it's, and not only and did they not know what to do with him, but cash rules everything around me. Yeah, man. right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Blaine and songs was, made money. Made yeah. money. Yeah. Well, you and know, it, the teenager went to shot through the top of the billboard or whatever for a couple of weeks or something. Yeah. I, but yeah, so it was. Kind of like, like I'm sorry that your fave didn't sing very much, but like the the reality was is that when they did, it was a bit too niche and they couldn't make money off of it. So right. they would yeah. not like they 100% would get the, they would get right. you to sing. They would yeah. get your fave to sing when the plot needed your fave to sing. Yeah. I think or maybe and even sometimes your fave didn't want to sing as much. Yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah. also that really up. true. Yeah. Like let's let's call a spade a spade because oh, I mean there really wasn't any issues except for versus Kurt and there's a couple things that I kind of want to point out because I agree with everything that you guys are saying. One is that Blaine got a lot of music but he didn't get a lot of story. Kurt yeah. got a plethora of a story. He got a world. He got you know world building. Mm-hmm. He got a father. He got a past. Yeah. He got relationships. Blaine for a very long time was either tied to Kurt or just kind of singing and doing nothing. And I'm like, I don't think it's fair to compare the two when they're definitely different things. Um, On top of that, let's take into account that a, you're right. Teenage dream hit a number one. And if you have somebody who's going to be making a lot of money, I mean, let's look at like, you know, bottom line of all of these things. Like if it makes money, they're going to do it more. And if it doesn't, they don't, these corporations don't care. They don't give a shit about, Story. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to talk about that, let's talk about Sony and Disney yeah, and Spider-Man. Yeah. I will get onto that, you know? That's all about money, which is so stupid, but yeah. And then the second well, thing is that Kurt, or so that Chris didn't like to sing on the show, yeah. and that should be taken into account. So, sorry, I just... And, well, <laughs> and as, as a Mercedes fan, so I spent a lot of time outside, outside of the clean fandom, you know, doing my best to find any little bit of fic I could find. There were a lot of people who were fans of the original New Directions who hated Blaine because they were mad that, like, Blaine took away, you know, solos from, like, their favorite. But I'm like, after season one, sorry, there was no story for Puck. There was no story for Quinn. They didn't mm. have anything to do. So yeah. no. And when, they, and when they did, it was very contrived. <laughs> yeah, so it was like, whether Blaine got the solos or not, they weren't going to go to Puck or to Quinn. Right, you know? exactly. It just wasn't going to happen. Their storyline right. story really ended in season one. Mm-hmm. They could have graduated those characters in season one and the show wouldn't have suffered. And I say this yeah. as someone who was a fan of Puck. Yeah. Although it's weird to admit that now. Yeah. yeah. But... As far as the commercial commercial appeal of the sh- songs too, I remember there was like a art, there was like an interview that Ryan Murphy did uh, with one of the magazines after season three or something. It was very revealing. He was saying that he wanted to they wanted to do some songs that were more Broadway esque and stuff, whereas the head of the head of the TV studio. Wanted something that was more commercial, like pop. Mm-hmm. So he was, uh, he was, and they they were trying to the, the head of the head of the studio was trying to push 
push the songs in that direction. So that's why they didn't do very many. They wanted to push more, more the song choices, pop, pop, popular culture what was new in the time. You know, what was hottest on the charts, so they could make. So they could buy more singles to buy more money, and that I thought it was revealing. That was that was a that was a source of uh, creative tension between the studio and the showrunner, mm-hmm. you know, at least behind season three. So absolutely, and who's going to be singing? Like who's versatile enough to do any of that? I mean, yeah, it, yeah. yeah, it just and as. What Kay said, exactly, like, no amount of, you know, let's look at it from a fandom point of view. If you do a favorite person, favorite character list, Blaine was still going to be high on there. Your mm. Tinas and your Mikes and your Arties and your Quins and your Pucks, they di- they're not going to score very high. Sorry. Yeah. That's just mm. not good. Yep. And I, I don't, you know, I'm sorry that your favorite is not singing enough, but yeah. they were pretty... Well aware of who the favorite characters were on that oh, show, yeah. mm-hmm. and I mean, and not to mention the fact that you have a show of like fifteen main characters. Yeah, you cannot answer. service them all all oh, the time. Yeah. So. So yeah, this that's how I feel. I do, your your <laughs> question. So is Blaine a hated or beloved character? I don't know whether this is something you want to get into, but the other the other reason why, at least from my from what I could understand, why people, a specific part of fandom, did not like Blaine was that he dared to come along and not only steal songs from people, but still just general screen time. Yeah. And, like, and how dare this character, like, and he was all well and good when he was just a prop. But as soon as yep. he dared to become mm-hmm. his own character, that's when it was like, oh, no, we don't like him anymore. Sorry. Yeah. Well, and that's, I, and I don't think that's fair because I think he is by far one of the most interesting new characters. But, and secondly, I don't think that he really s- stole screen time from anybody that, you know, like, if you Get look matted. at Kurt and Blaine, yeah, like it, the stuff with Kurt getting less screen time in season four had to do more with maybe behind the scenes stuff and Chris wanting mm-hmm. to take a step back and it didn't have to do with Darren or Blaine or whatever. Yeah. People just want to get so caught up in that. But, but beyond that, um, you know, look at the, like, you know, a lot of people didn't like the newbies and I know, Kay, I know you were a really big fan of them, but like those people were actually taking up more screen time mm-hmm. than Blaine was even in season four. I think it's on, it's misdirected frustration about yeah. this cast yeah. being so big that people don't have enough, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And people were also angry. It comes down to people who wanted Kurt with Sam People who wanted yeah. Kurt with Dave, yeah. and it's just—it really does come down to shipping a lot of times. Never, yeah, it really does. Those things were not. They decided pretty quickly to put Sam with Quinn. Yeah, you know, yeah. those things yeah. were never gonna happen. Yeah. If they had never introduced Blaine, Kurt was not gonna be with Karofsky. Yeah. yeah. I I think I am remiss to find somebody who dislikes Blaine. Solely on the like on a non-shipping level, like most of the people that I know in my life with general audience, they like Blaine. They like him as yeah. much as any other character yeah. that they seem to like. Mm. You know, I, I only have that, one friend who doesn't like Blaine, and that was because he he preferred Karofsky. But that's also because he was Karofsky. <laughs> but you know, well, okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I mean. It's like mo. I think that Blaine. In general, was a beloved character. I do. Yeah. I think that 
Um, he become he became part of the mythos. I mean, look at the end. Look who gets to have. I know. I I feel like by the end when they do a wrap up of Kurt and Blaine's story, you have you know you know you have Mercedes and you have Rachel getting and Sue and Will and then Kurt and Blaine who are up yeah. there as equals. He became an important part of the show, and I think that was I think it was just the way the show was going and yeah uh, yeah. I don't know. I I think that the people who mostly had issues with Blaine really had to do with I prefer this with you know yeah I prefer another character or I prefer this character shipped with another character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, it just it just amazes me looking back on it. It's like how how much drama was wrapped up in shipping. Yeah. I mean, once, yeah. once, once you got paired off with somebody, that was it. I mean, it was just. It literally has put me off shipping in any yeah. other fandom. Yeah, like exactly. as much as I love Brooklyn Nine Nine, I dipped my toes in that fandom, and that when they did the racial profiling episode, and all fandom wanted to talk about was Jake and his role in it, and not the fact that like Terry, this black character, was racially profiled, and it was this whole thing about racism. And I was like, yeah, no, I can't do this again. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel the same way in other fandoms um, I'm kind of a part of now, like mm -hmm. the Star Wars fandom and things. Oh, uh, goodness, yeah. Oh, with uh, the Raylo? Yeah. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> it's like, I'm not touching that. I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. No, that, no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just want to enjoy the thing. That's kind of what yeah. I like Marvel because there's not like for me, I'm not really into the. Sh I mean, there are romances that I like, but I'm not into the shipping aspect yeah. of it because I'm just yeah. like, no, I can't do yeah. this. My That's sister's getting into the Marvel fandom, but yeah, she doesn't do the shipping either. She just yeah. really loves Bucky. Yeah, yeah. but that, that's that's yeah. the thing, right? Because I watched this thing. I watched like Endgame with a oh yeah, like I don't really care. Yeah. What ha like I don't have a ship here, but like you know, you could see like I you could watch the ending and go, oh man, those Steve Bucky ship was gonna be real mad, <laughs> right? <laughs> what happened? Oh <laughs> They're oh. really mad. And it's whatever. This is never gonna happen. But don't get me started. But it's a whole another five hour <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> um, but that's, but yeah. that's the thing is yeah. that like personally, I I like this show kind of changed the way in which I consume media in that I am ne never going to let anything consume my life in the way that I let this show, because my, oh. like my mental health and well-being couldn't handle it. Yeah. I, it just really put me off. I can be in a fandom, but it's really put me off of shipping. Yeah, like I'm too. in the, I love stranger things, but the second people start talking about, well also because they're like 10, but yeah, the second yeah, people yeah. start talking about like shipping Mike and 11 or, you know, whatever, I'm automatically like I'm tapping out of this conversation. Like, yeah, yeah, we yeah. can talk about literally any other aspect of the show. See, and, and the yeah, thing, yeah, it's just put me off of shipping altogether. The thing about with the thing that's crazy to me now because I think P fandom is so much smaller, and and uh, you know I've worked very hard to create a dynamic that's inclusive. But when TBD started, it was such a thing where I'm like, this is a clean web page, a clean place where you have to like both characters. Like, mm. if you don't like both, if you start something with one character to the other, or, I mean, you can, you know, leave it on your block. Yeah. Don't come here with it. Yeah. And the fact that I had to make a space where that was a thing yeah. was crazy because there, I, I did it because I couldn't find one myself. Mm. And I think, yeah, I think people became so entrenched in their shipping that they couldn't see past anything else. But I mean, that's also because I was like, 
Yeah. But yeah. the show did that too. That was the problem. Yeah. 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 That's, didn't true. That's true. That's true. I mean, the show even used the shipper names in camera. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that entire Hurt Locker shit was just like... That was the fourth wall. Yeah. That was there was, was your funny, fourth but... wall breakage. In fact, oh, the, other yeah. fourth, the other fourth wall breakage was the whole Pavot Master yeah. thing. But like, yeah, that's specific. That entire episode, I get like the problem with that was also that it didn't seem like it was not a haha, I'm in on the joke and we're making fun of ourselves all together. It was I am making fun of you specifically. Yeah. And not I calling not... out the role that I pl- that we played. Yeah, that yeah. I played in this, yeah. And it, I guess it just, and it wasn't a haha. Let's all laugh together. It's a haha. Like, let's all laugh at you. you yeah, yeah, they weren't laughing with us. They were laughing yeah, at us. See, and I, I, there I, are I guess shows I, that can do that. That can like that can tell the line and laugh with their fans. Community laughed with their fans. Yeah, um, but Glee laughed yeah. at their fans. See, yeah, I, I kind of. Their fans did so much, and it's part of the reason why the show lasted so long was because these fans had latched onto these characters and wouldn't shut up about them. See, with the Hurt Locker didn't offend me or didn't bother me. I didn't really take it as mean spirited as maybe you guys did. However, I do feel that way about previously on Air Christmas. I feel like that. Agreed. Was a, yeah. I think that was an episode where they specifically they whatever they were in a pissy mood when they wrote that maybe because they mm-hmm. had to do it and they're like let's you know you guys want all this stuff from a Christmas episode we're gonna basically fuck with you and you know and that is to me like Hurt Locker doesn't bother me I'm like yeah I don't care you can yeah. like that doesn't bother me at all I understand even if they are poking fun of it it's more than like laughing with us but um for you know. It didn't feel as mean spirited as previously on Christmas. I feel like that was that one was cool. That one was look. look I've only watched an episode once, so I, I like. Don't I know I've only seen it once. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what happened, so I've like literally erased it from my memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. All right. So kind of coming to the end of this discussion, um, let's. I, what I kind of want to do is to hear from you guys and listen to what is it about Blaine that you really love and why are you so continued to be passionate about his story, even though it's been 10 years since the show started and, you know, a couple, four years since the show has been off the air. Uh, what is it that you guys love about Blaine? I, I think that it's just, <clears throat> I understand him more than I've understood a lot of characters. Mm. And it's not a lot of times, especially on the internet, there's a lot of like, oh, you know, introverts this, introverts that. And as an extrovert, we can be villainized a lot. And so it's yeah. like to see, it's nice to see a character who's an extrovert and, but still shown as being, having like these insecurities and, and seeing him struggle with them while still yeah. being the type of person that likes, likes people and likes being around people. And he's just so darn adorable. I just want to like wrap him in a blanket and <laughs> hot chocolate and take yeah. care of him. Yeah. Well, I love Blaine because, he, uh, for one, he made a very strong impression on me when he first first introduced, and because he was charismatic and you know charming and everything. But I think I loved him more is the reason I loved him is because the game. Uh, the show attempted to give another side of a gay character that wasn't the stereotypical um, 
I guess the stereotypical gay that it rep- that kind of could represent it, represent it, like the feminine, you know, everything at first. And I like the fact that they give a different kind of perspective on it. And so that's why I was drawn to that character. I mean, I found him intriguing because, you know, on a personal note, before, you know, prior to this, prior to Glee, I didn't really know that much about, it's not, um, I hope to say I'm not ignorant, but uh, I, I was very kind of sheltered as far as my views concerned. I didn't know that much about, you know, the LGBTQ or anything, and that show really opened my eyes to like different That's cool. things. So yeah, and so um, and so I really learned a lot about you know the different, I guess types of characters, types of types of gay characters and things. So that's why I really felt, felt myself drawn to to Blade, and I still am. <laughs> I love that you know, like he's he's charismatic and and uh, charming, but yet vulnerable. I mean, that we saw him take that path, and that's why he still stuck with me. And I, I think Darren had a lot to do with it too, but the mm-hmm. way he portrayed him. So, yeah, that's why. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I when I was first watching the show, like <laughs> this sounds really terrible. I started loving both characters, but then I picked one that I liked more. But I think when <laughs> Blaine was specifically going, like when that stuff was happening with him in season four was when shit was starting to happen in my own life. And I needed some way to like deal with it. And then he was this character going through some struggles that I was suddenly like, Oh, I can sort of relate to this to this person and I just wanted good things for him because I couldn't find good things for myself at the time and so like and then that just kept continuing on and on and I just then just wanted to protect him and also yeah pull him to my bosom and cuddle him because he's an adorable little snowflake Uh, precious little muffin <laughs> he's he's my baby. He's my baby. So this is yeah. the other weird thing is that like when I started watching the shows, I am a little like I'm younger. In the, I, I'm not as young as some of the other people. Like I was in high school when the show started, and by the time this was all happening, I was in university. Yeah. But I still think of him as like my baby, even though. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> even though I was not that much older than him when I when he started yeah. on the show. Mm-hmm. But you know. I'm older than him now. Yes. I think the one of the cool things, because I know I usually identify on the, the Kurt side of things, but it doesn't mean I dislike Blaine any less. I The thing about Blaine um, is that he grew, and he got to be a fully realized character, and he got to be a character who's positive and warm and friendly and still make mistakes and still do you know, he still hurt people along the way, but he never stopped being this positive character and, and mm-hmm. a character that yeah. you can just rally behind and a character mm-hmm. that can be a positive role model for other people. And, and I mean, and then he's just so adorable. He's just yeah. adorable. Oh, yeah. well, it's just so, you just want to squish his little cheeks. <laughs> the only Darren, character. Darren holds his face differently when he's Blaine. And so there's bigger cheeks to squish. I know the only character that I find as adorable as Blaine is Steven Universe, and that's because he reminds me of a tiny Blaine. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> he does look like a tiny with his like, little curly hair. But his curly <laughs> hair and his big eyes. I'm just like, why are you like a cartoon Blaine? Yeah. 
You know, I have to give a shout out because I know there are people, this isn't really a me thing, but I, I will be, you know, somebody on the internet will yell at me if I don't do it, but a shout out to, uh, you know, Blaine's tiny little onion booty. <laughs> <laughs> what does Sam say? He's like, I like teeny tiny booties. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, the, not that Blaine would need your padded underwear, but padded underwear, Sam. <laughs> um, I want to take a moment, and because we aren't doing a appreciation for the actors uh, podcast, but to say, to express gratitude for Darren Chris because I think Darren Chris was a little underrated um, on the show, um, and I think that some of the stuff that he did on the show was so amazing, and some of the stuff, especially that second teenage dream performance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was so. just so amazing. Yeah. When Darren it, got, oh, go ahead. I was going to say part of I think the other problem with having so many people hating on Blaine is that a lot of that also got redirected to Darren. Darren yeah. mm-hmm. So I think he also had to deal with a lot of shit from that front as well because oh. people are unable to separate character from actor. But that's a whole nother thing. As well. <laughs> when he went on his award show sweep and won every single award he was nominated for yep. after Super. Versace, I was like, Vindication. Yeah, I literally posted that gif. I felt the exact same way. Yeah, yeah, the one of Captain Holt. That was me. Captain Holt Vindication. He won an award. I was like in your face because his acting. Yes, there is no reason why we can't acknowledge that Chris was absolutely an amazing actor and acknowledge that Darren was just as good because Darren kept up with Chris. They were equal and. There, Darren turned into a completely different person for Blaine. His mannerisms, his voice, his everything. And he was, like, when it, his, the way that he could do something with his eyes, the way that he could make himself physically smaller, mm-hmm. yeah. like, in that, the, in prom queen, when, um, when Bert says what he does about the kill, and then Blaine says that he agrees with Kurt, and Kurt lashes out with him, and you physically see him make himself smaller. Yeah. And he had mm-hmm. a physicality that people did never appreciated him for until yeah. we saw him do it in as Kunan. Well, yeah. and I think um, Chris was always really good with facial expressions, and I think Darren could always do that physicality. Like he uses his whole body to just yeah. change demeanor. But then just and both of them are very good with eye acting. And I kind of look at like uh, and I think this is why uh, I'm not going to get into so much, but why people may be fooled by certain things that if you look <laughs> at, for example, Britanna, you can tell mm-hmm. Heather and Naya were good friends, but the, I never really believed that they were in love with each other. Um, mm-hmm. I never really believed in their, their scenes when they had scenes together. It just didn't resonate the same way, but Chris and Darren elevated. They were such good oh, yeah. actors they were. that you really could buy the, the, the they were these two people in this scene. Yep. So there's a few things like firstly, if you want to see exactly how Darren kind of managed to he kept a distance from himself on Blaine. There was very clearly like a delineation where Darren was like and again you watch that video where Darren becomes Blaine. Like this is yeah. what he would do physically to kind of put himself into the Blaine character. He's like I'll take off my glasses, I'll take off yep. my weird watch and I'll do the button up and I'll sit yep. up straighter. But then it was also like you listen to Darren sing Teenage Dream yeah. and then listen to Blaine sing Teenage Dream and they, they sound different yeah. because he would he would he was singing in a slightly different 
not key, but like just a slightly different way, yeah. especially the live performance of Teenage Dream. Oh, yeah. I think um, a, something that Darren did very well in the show that not a lot of, because I don't think Leah did this very well, but maybe Chris did better. He could act and sing at the same time and not yeah. very many of them could. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I think the other thing is that even when I was like completely... And again, I apologize, and I know this is a controversial thing to say, but even when I was not feeling Kurt and Blaine because I was feeling nothing from mm-hmm. Kurt, Darren's acting as Blaine was keeping me holding on. Okay. Like He was just continuously giving 110%, and I was like, if Blaine's in love, God damn it, whatever Blaine wants, <laughs> Blaine gets. And can I also say that I greatly appreciate the way that Darren treated the fandom. Yeah, and I think it comes from Darren understanding fandom in a way that I think most other actors don't. Don't, yeah, they don't. And so he was very gracious with us. He was very kind with us, and a lot of times fandom didn't deserve it. Oh God! Especially yeah, we were so lucky to have. Yeah, we were so lucky to have him because he could have easily taken Chris's approach and withdrawn from us Mm. after Mm -hmm. the way that we not only treated him but. Mia. Yeah, yeah Mia. Oh, and yeah. That's he was hard. still so gracious. Yeah. And yeah. that letter that he wrote he, that letter, the night of oh the breakup God. broke my heart yeah. because yeah. he didn't. It was like he felt like we were going to attack him. And yeah, he, he knew exactly. I think yeah. he knew exactly what was coming or how mm-hmm. would he, how would react. So he exactly. wanted to soften the blow. Yeah. And without, I mean, this is before I even met him. I just always felt like he has such a such an appreciation for us as fans and then meeting him and seeing that he's just so kind when he talks to you it feels like you were the only person yes exactly you're the only person that he is that he is concerned with in that Mm -hmm. like 30 second yeah 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 and i get i like he makes eye contact with you exactly like i live in la i've met a lot of celebrities just from working in retail and being in public and that is rare well, and I'll even say, um, with Chris, um, like I've met him multiple times and he's very, you know, he is actually a very kind person, but yeah, yeah. Darren is the type of person, like Chris will be the type of person that like, you know, you, you, you know, if you go into your first job, your first day of work and you meet your coworkers yeah. and you kind of have that distance there, but they're still friendly with you. Yeah. That's yeah. Chris. But Darren is the type of person who will very much feel like, you know, make you feel welcome within mm-hmm. what I do. Isn't there a thing where a lot of the newer people said that Darren was the one that was very welcoming to them yeah. when they came yeah. on the show. And yeah. my sister knew someone that played in the band and they told her that it was Darren and Harry were the ones oh, that really sense. made them feel welcome and were very kind. That and that Amber's mom was always there making sure that everyone was always eating. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah, that's, good. that's so sweet. <laughs> so, I love but yeah. that, yeah, Darren and Harry were the ones that were, they talked to everybody cast, crew, band, extras, yeah. everybody. Mm-hmm. They made them feel yeah. welcome, yeah. And um, it's just, I agree with Kay. It's just, I mean, he, the way that he treated the truth of him, he, he knew because he was one himself, so he knows. But I agree, we didn't deserve him, especially when the segment of fandom was so hateful. Mm. Toward, uh, toward, uh, the, the, you know, if there's one thing I could go to rant, uh, rant on is the tin 
the tinfoil hatters, the ones mm-hmm. that the real life shippers. Yeah. yeah. You should there and Chris, I'm like, I don't know if they still exist, but they're so hateful to me. And I'm like, guys, you you shouldn't just because some made up thing you exist in your head. It's just mm-hmm. like Right. And I've spoken to Mia too, and she's so yeah. freaking sweet. She is, yeah. 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 She, she also is. doesn't have to be as lovely as she is, and yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So it's just yeah, he's just been over backwards and trying to be clean about always gracious. Oh. oh. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So let's we're gonna ed- wrap up this <laughs> lovely Blaine podcast by everybody gets to pick their favorite Blaine moment on the show. Only one? Only one. <laughs> oh, my God. I can see one right away. <laughs> I guess not moment, but different, I guess, thing. Sure. Nightbird. Nightbird? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I love mine, it. Patty and the Nightbird. That's great. Mine is in Guilty Pleasures mm-hmm. when him and Sam come in to take over Glee Club because Mr. She's out sick. And they're saying the idea is guilty pleasures and blame oh, is just like cheesing from ear to ear, blushing all red. But like, you know, me and Sam were shooting the crap, like, you know, like a couple of bros. I just something about the delivery and his little face. I, oh, my God. I love it. And also tan hands. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, mm. uh, I don't even know. Like, there's, there's a whole heap of like little moments that come to my mind. Like, I think. In I'm going to pick a season four episode too. Probably in like dynamic duets, like when it's going to be you know Blaine and Sam when they're like singing heroes and we're getting that <coughs> montage of them like, um, you know like fixing uh, painting over the wall. And I will always like vividly one of my favorite moments. I just remember it in like the gift form is when Brittany kisses Blaine on the cheek and he's just got this like oh, the cutest yeah. expression on his face. I mm-hmm. love that. Um, and that montage where he's joining all the clubs, I love that he joined the D&D club because he's a little nerd and I love him. <laughs> and I love that he and Sam read fan fiction. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. That's oh, a good one. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I yeah. forgot one. I forgot one. Okay. When he, when him and Becky have to take that pledge with Roz Washington, they yeah. never <laughs> put a hex on Roz Washington. When he's just like standing there with his phone in his hands and he's like got the hula hoop going, he's just standing there. <laughs> he's not like, barely even moving in his My little goodness. Cheerios costume. Oh. I think mine, and maybe this is the the romantic in me that just I love this moment is probably. Um, in prom queen when he says can I have this dance oh and I just oh my god I just that's the the fact that he's so scared to do it but he he does it anyway and it's it's this beautiful romantic moment and that's why Blaine's a Gryffindor yeah though I will say I do appreciate all of his you know sassiness through the entire like he gets these little moments where like you know the when he's teaching Rachel piano and she's like I never quit anything yeah. and he's like do you <laughs> and he's like, like, that doesn't sound like you at all yeah that's it <laughs> when, when, like we were just hoping that the warblers could go easy on us. Oh no, 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 no. 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 Or <laughs> even when when Sam's like, it's so hard to be a white straight male, and he's like, moving on. We yeah. <laughs> probably shouldn't talk about that yeah. oh, because it's because it's not a school for witches. Or I yeah. can't believe I'm forgetting this. This is my sister's favorite scene in Tested when he goes, Artie, how does this yes. happen? Yeah, and he's like, I don't know. 
Well, do you wear condoms? <laughs> no. That was that the was Oh, that scene is I love amazing. the idea that this is like kid who's got like a million things going on has time to make puppets of every single one of his friends and even people that he's never even met before. <laughs> and ask the teacher, I'd like to, I'd like to make he a puppet. A puppet of my fiance. just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I love how like he seems like everyone seems like him or, or that scene with Brad, the piano man. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. You were here. Oh no, I'm sorry. His reaction to Tina serenading him and Sadie Hawkins, like the oh, whole time, oh my god. The whole time she's singing and he looks so like, I hope you have a Tina singing to says yes to her. Oh Tina, I'm so proud of you. She's everybody my face. This is doing so great. And then but everybody oh. else's face is just like, oh no. Everyone else has realized who Tina's singing to and Marley is behind him. Looking like she's gonna throw up, and Blaine's just like, "Oh, Tina, I'm so proud of you." I also, I was just thinking of that. I really like in. I think it's in. It's in the uh, 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 the proposal episode where they're like, he's got all the boys together, and they're talk. The boys are talking about the the chocolate muffins, <laughs> yes. and he's like, "Yes, mm. I've had them too. They're delicious." Yes, that's such a great little moment. Oh my I god, I love that scene. Oh my gosh, There's just so uh. many like, just, like little moments. Oh. So, all right, guys. Well, um, we're going to wrap up this Blaine podcast. Um, he will forever be in our hearts as a precious yep. little muffin that he is. Um, but unfortunately, the podcast does have to end at some point. So, uh-huh. <laughs> um, I want to thank you guys for spreading the Blaine joy tonight. And, um, Absolutely. And yep. um, only pick the hardcore fans for this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> we can put obnoxious Blaine stand in now in any on your resume. Media, it's going it on your resume. resume. And it is hundred percent true. Yep. I did put um I where I want to put Hugo Award winning author on my on my resume. But anyway. Um <laughs> I should. Anyway, uh, I want to thank you guys really for this is a great conversation. Um, and it's been awesome for the last four years to be able to have these really amazing conversations about these characters that who, you know, no matter how much we are going to go into different directions, um, you mean new directions? Yeah, I know. I was avoiding it because uh, I say <laughs> it all the time. I, that that we're we're always gonna love Blaine. He's always gonna have a piece of our heart. So yeah. yeah. All right. Well, join us next Sunday. I don't know what we're doing because I never know what we're doing these days. I'm so uh, out of it. But uh, we'll be have something, and we're not over yet. And um, have a great rest of your night. But it's too late. But now they're okay Only me or my You're the apple of my eye Girl, I never loved one like you Found you hiding here So won't you take my hand, darling There's nothing that can stop you From becoming popular Lar And